Hey, Finn, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing uh, incredible. <gasps> oh, great. We've made contact, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. You are listening to Shite and Sound. I am Yutha Shite, and with me... Is Finn Sound Nicholas. The ghost of Finn Sound Nicholas. Yeah. This is the first ever official, we can claim it as a scoop, seance podcast. Yeah. We are talking I'm dead with... as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> You came here to chew gum and be dead, and you're all out of gum. And I don't have a working jaw <laughs> anymore. So, uh, man, we've been working up to this uh, for such a long time. So much of the show has been been structured and uh, around hoping that you'll die and building mm. up the residual psychic connection. Now you're finally mm. gone. So I know we're talking to you from beyond the veil. We'll need we'll need some uh, some facts. What what is you know, uh, what has God told you that that would prove you've you've been to the other side? A uh, bunch of like, obviously you can't. It belongs in the other world. Finn, incredible. Yeah, you you saying that to me has changed. I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not entirely sure how much of that's going to get picked up on, on the microphones. Oh, I'm, no, I'm looking at the waveforms here and they look, uh, it's just a square. It's just, oh, it's the. It's just a bunch of squares? Yeah, no, it's the 10K tone. It's the bleeping tone. Yeah. So um, for those listeners at home, what Finn told me was. And it's happening. Okay. I just, I take it as read. That Finn has proved to me beyond a shadow of it. I'm not doing that bleeping. Mm, that's no. that's baked into the recording. If you listen to our backup recording, it would be the same, but but spatialized. But uh, let it be said that Finn has proved conclusively that he is in fact on the other side. Yeah, you're my Joseph Cotton, because we're beyond a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> So I'm glad to see you still got your your same sense of humour. Yeah, I'm uh, just referencing stuff. And so uh, obviously we've got our first question out of the way. You've proved that that you are in fact dead. Now, Finn. Yes. Riddle me this. That's right. First person to talk to you oh. on the phone. Hi, it's me, the Riddler. Hey, hey Edward Nigma, how's it going? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Riddlin. Yeah. Diddlin. <laughs> nope. Hey, I look. I may be famous. You can say Riddle. Woodland. <laughs> I don't whittle though. I use knives for one thing. Riddle. <laughs> I have two tools in my life and I use them mm. for either Riddlin or Diddlin. And you 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 may know no be for my, my incredible green suits. On that time I was shot by the Joker and so used a shard of broken glass to turn the bullet wound into a question mark over my chest uh, and, and my, my incredible green suits. But I'm, I'm also a sexual being. And part of good discourse... Okay, is- starting again. New episode. <laughs> we have to watch the movies again. <laughs> Sharing these things. Like, no, I'm just saying, it's not wrong for me, the Riddler, to say, oh, I riddle and I diddle. So anyway, we know, we know. You know. Hey, hey, look, <laughs> I know this podcast is uh, usually in English, but I'm going to speak some Italian for a second. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> look, we know, we know that the Riddler is one of our favorite callers. And, and so I thought I'd get him. Hey, Edward. Hey, Yutha. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, I've been ruminating a lot recently on how just incredibly distinct our voices are. <laughs> They're so, it's weird to think about that they're so, it's like night and day. You're right, whoever was last speaking. 
So, uh, so we got him to call and say, can I ask you the first questions? Uh, hi, right. riddle me this, Finn. Who shot you? How did you die? Yeah, so I, I was, um, so I, I was actually, you know, lo- lo- like I usually am in the mornings, I was, I was at a coffee shop the other day. Yeah. I was using the payphone there, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, once I hung up, uh, I sat down to have my coffee, and I got talking to a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. and I, uh, I didn't uh, run away immediately, which is what I usually do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we got to talking. <laughs> I was uh, bizarrely forward with her. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, she, she, she seemed pretty into it. And uh, this delightful chance meeting ended with, uh, with us leaving the coffee shop and uh, going our own separate ways. At several points, I, I turned around to look at her, but she was, she was just walking off in the other direction. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, then I was mugged and uh, got stabbed in the face. Ah, okay. Yeah, that, that's what uh, that's what that's what uh, this uh, uh, gaping uh, face wound is. I no, I can't see you. For those for oh, those of you, for no, everyone of listening, course, right. no, I, I've got Finn's microphone pointed at the the center of of a ring of stones. Yeah, uh, and in the center of the ring of stones is, is a is a Ouija board taped to a speaking spell. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is like Anthony Bourdain. This is in fact a um, deep faked voice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of really ethical issues with with this podcast. Don't you love with the Anthony Bourdain guy? The director is like, yeah, I guess there's some real ethical issues, but it's not my job to think about them. And you're like, no, as the director of a documentary, your job is ethical issues. Yes. Like that is the entry level, but like Jesus Christ. Bye, Riddler. Bye. Um, so now, Ben. Yes. Glad we've done the groundwork. We know that you're dead. We know we're talking to you. We've proven to that. And now for the big question of Shite and Sound. What's it? You've met death. I have, yeah. Uh, or, And obviously there are two kind of schools of thought as to what death is like. Mm. One is that they are a kind of ageless, old, uh, ageless or, Japanese like, woman uh, mm. with, with, with a white face and many veils. Mm. And the other is that she is like... Sort of like mid-twenties uh, goth girl? No. Like a mid-twenties Brad Pitt. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Because um, from the two, the two best kind of crystallized in, in, in Mitsuguchi's Ugetsu mm-hmm. and uh, Breasts Meet Joe Black. You know, those are the two. Mm-hmm. They're the two competing visions of death. There are no other. Who's nope. Terry Pratchett? Fuck him. So... What's death like using those two points of comparison? Um, I mean, so because because I got uh, because I just got stabbed in the face during a mugging, yeah. I, I didn't really have much time to 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 like get to know death. It was yeah, sort of a yeah. hi, how are you? How yeah. long let's walk into the light sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. did but, but death must have said something. Uh, uh yes, but. Uh, so my my eyes had been stabbed out and my ears were full of blood. Ah, uh, yeah. So, it was hard to tell the difference yeah. between, like, American, English, and, and Japanese. Yeah. 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 And, like, historical Japanese. Yeah. All, um, all, 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 all I really know is that there, there was a sort of grim reaper figure who yeah. led me into the afterlife mm. who I couldn't really see or hear because of my horrific wounds. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's... God, it must have been so. So I mm. guess the oh, 
It really gets to you. <laughs> I I I have to say that's thr- because, as you know, like the main goal of this podcast was to develop a psychic bond between mm-hmm. us, and so that one of us dies and gets brought back in a seance for the first seance podcast. Yeah, so we can talk about what death is like. Yeah, and now you've kind of you've missed your shot. So I've I've got a plan B. As mm. we discuss, there's those two models of, of death who get to and, and meet Joe Black, the only two films that have ever represented death on film. Um, and, and certainly the only two films we've, we've ever covered for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we're the authority on the matter. Yeah. So what if, um, do you have like Netflix in the afterlife? Uh, no, but... Uh, I'm really good at torrenting here. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so let's watch Ugetsu and Meet Joe mm. Black. Oh, and of course, they've got the entire Criterion collection here. Ah, uh, yeah, so. They've got both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not be, if that if well, you found out that Meet Joe Black was in the Criterion collection. Well, the thing is, like, you, 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 you've just got the Criterion collection as it stands in... In, uh, in in like late July yeah, right. uh, 2021, yeah, yeah. we've we've got uh, all the films ever released on the Criterion Collection. So you, you better look out for uh, for the spine number uh, two thousand, the breast box set. Yeah, and like like spine number one thousand, the show era um, Godzilla films. Uh, this is the like it, two hundred dollars. It's two hundred dollars. It, it, it's like a foot tall book with. Covered in pictures of Martin Brest just destroying cities. Yeah. You get all eight of his films, <laughs> starting with his first short film, Hot Dogs for Gauguin. Yeah. And his, his final film, Sheely. I mean, maybe there'll be more one day. You can only hope. Well, I mean, it's at this point, it's been hmm, uh, 19 years since he's directed a film. Yeah, but... Hollywood is not that reluctant in inflating aged breast. Hmm. Nah, nah, mm. that is funny. Mm. I know, but what what do you think? Okay, so we can watch those two films. What if we watch those two films and then talked about it? Sure. And then talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah no, I yeah. think that might work. Yeah, no, it's just I was really set up. I was really quite keen on, like, first-hand death information. Yeah, may, may, maybe next can time you, you kill me, you shouldn't stab me in the organs that I use I for... Look, for legal reasons, I need to state very clearly that simply holding a knife that's in someone's face is legally distinct from stabbing them. <sighs> Tell it to the judge. The ultimate judge. Judge Jesus. Judy. <laughs> judge Judy Jesus. Dread. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we watched number 51 on the Sight and Sound list, Ugetsu Monogatari, Kenji Mitsuguchi's characteristically dark and beautiful adaptation of an 18th century collection of short ghost stories. Our second film this week is Meet Joe Black, Martin Brest's bizarre and stilted adaptation of the classic novella My Daughter Fucked the Grim Reaper.
And we're back. Hey, Finn. How's it going, Yuva? Yeah, so I've realised I should have asked you. Yeah. In, in On the other side, what kind of a setup are you watching these films on? Uh, you, 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 you sort of, like, go to the Criterion bookshelf and you yeah. pick the thing out that you want. You just sort of, you sort of touch it and then it appears in your brain. And personally, I, I prefer the, like, sitting in a cinema big screen experience. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So... I just, I really do. I want to hold that. I want to put a pin in that for when we get to Joe Black. Because I believe that experiencing meet Joe Black in that way may have been uh, the single worst media experience of anyone's existence. <laughs> but let's start off with Ugetsu. Yes. Mitsuguchi. Second one we've talked about. Mm. First being Sancho the Bailiff. Blimmin' good film. Yeah. <laughs> This is part of a run where he released uh, at least one film every year for several years in a row. Yeah, and, uh, and, and one most two, are on this list. Yeah, this is one of two films he released in uh, in 1953. No, no, sorry, it was, he, it was two two films in 1954. Yeah, so the year before this was The Life of Oharu. This year was Ugetsu Monogatari. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he did Sancho the Bailiff and uh, another film. Which is... Like we, we which is not on this list, but it is also like incredibly highly rated by everyone. Oh yeah, but the only and, and the only things you could really compare it to, uh, and and that people do is, is Coppola making Godfather's one, two, and the conversation in like a twenty-four month period. Yeah, uh, there, there's just not there's not much else like that. No, which like, oh, all right, because Ugetsu. I yeah, I rated Sancho. I've I've seen three chrysanthemums and three chrysanthemums is the last of the chrysanthemums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did I say three? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, last of the chrysanthemums, which is a very good film, but is one that relies a lot more. Uh, it the way it operates has a lot to do with Japanese theatre conventions, mm. where, which I, with my theatre degree, kind of half understand. Uh, but kind of most damn, damningly understand enough that I knew that if I knew that world more, it, it like watching Last of the Chrysanthemums without a, a even a passing really knowledge of that world is like watching Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping without ever having heard a Justin Timberlake song. You know, right, yeah, yeah. like it, it's like I'm, I, it's still good. I just do not know. You know, I, yeah. uh, uh, I'm I'm missing a barrier, but this is but Ugetsu, which we just saw, ha- has has leapt to the front of the pack. I, I think it's a really good film. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I'm alone in that. <laughs> I don't think anyone agrees. And, and for me, so much of it, 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 he's adapting that this kind of uh, uh, it, it's it's set in feudal era Japan in this kind of deliberately mythologized past that went from like 900 AD um, to uh, like 1600 AD. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the stories were first kind of made public in the 1700s mm. in the 18th century. Um, 
Yeah, and so this like style of film, the Japanese films set in this era are called Jedi Geki. Yeah. And it's like since the beginning of Japanese film, it's been one of the most popular types of film. Well, yeah, and it's a convention across mm. uh, uh, all of their media before yeah. there were films, their books, and it's like the West. It is. It is like culturally it holds a similar place as the Western yeah. in that it is essentially um, a myth about how the past was. Yeah, that and, it, and that's why a lot of them were later turned into Westerns. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's also not like, it's not aiming for historical accuracy. Yeah. But yeah, this book of this book of ghost stories was released. It was like the 1770s, I think. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. The original book of stories that Ugetsu was based on was released in, uh, nine, uh, in, in 1776. Hmm. And Mitsuguchi is, again, off three films. Watching his skill is in making things that feel like folk tales and not in a like, it's an, it's an adult fairy tale yeah. dumb way, but in a way where there is quite a shallow amount of tangible information. Like the lead character in Ugetsu is a guy who is a war profiteer with his, with his pottery business, with his pottery business. And He's got a goofy best friend who wants to be a samurai. And like, but that's kind of it, yeah. you know, like, and they love their wives. Mm. Um, but it never feels like they're just people, you know, just churn it. Like, it always feels of a piece. And, like, the piece of information about this film that, that really blows me away and which speaks to, like, how intentional Mitsuguchi was being is that this film in fact combines two of the ghost stories yeah but it combines them so well in my opinion that it feels insane that they were ever separate yeah no it, it, it yeah there, there is like one ghost story which takes up the sort of middle of the film yeah and then one which takes up the, the last like five minutes of the film and it, it feel it feels like they are sort of inextricable yeah they and I mean, like it, 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 it makes sense. They, they both come from the same collection of stories. Like they, 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 they have a very similar. Oh, yeah. Like there's a lot of like similar thematic stuff, and I think there's clearly a reason why Mitsuguchi chose these two to put together. And then the, the way he puts them together makes it feel like they shouldn't be apart. Yeah, it's insane. It just feels so. So much of this film feels so perfect, and mm. not in a perfect like. You go into a public restroom that has just been cleaned. Everything is shining so much. You worry you will stain something simply by touching it away. But like perfect in a complete way. Like there are so many insane oneers in this film that like skip across time. Like when when um the kiln guy Johnny Potts, let's call him that. Uh, his <laughs> his name is Ginjuro. He's played by the actor Masayuki Mori, yeah. who was also in the film Rashomon. He played the husband in that. Yeah. Um. Another pretty good movie. But when he first uh, gets with this mysterious woman, he who's staying in his hotel, that that they're in a sauna together. Yeah, and the, the, the the mysterious woman, lady 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 Wakasa, is played by Michiko Kyo, yeah. who was also in Rashomon. Oh, I think yeah. I think she 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 played his wife in Rashomon. Uh, I remember it differently, but mm. sure. Um, <laughs> the classic Rashomon gag. Oh, when he is, uh, so they are in a hot pool mm. uh, in the first time uh, they implicitly have sex. So it starts on like a two shot of them and they embrace in the way one of my favorite uh, 
tropes in in Mitsuguchi films is that there's not really kissing, but there's a lot of like incredibly kinetic hugging. <laughs> like people really rub, like, mm. you know, when cats rub up against your leg, like that's how, you know, things are getting busy. And they, they do that in the pool and the camera pans away through the reeds. I love shooting through reeds. Yeah. Uh, and we've had like a one minute long scene in this shot already through these reeds to show like, oh, where else are we going? Pans more beautiful landscape and then lands on them having a picnic later. They've mm. done a time skip in, in the shot. And like there are, there are several things like that and which feel like, again, like we talked about this with Sancho, but like this film is in full of incredible technical trickery that is so hidden i think it gets really undersold yeah um like this film and, and like is 20 years later but in the way it uses the camera and the way the camera moves the way he picks his shots is is so well, i don't know it it feels in a way like like kurosawa obviously kind of invented the mobile camera to a lesser extent. Like he laid the groundwork of how you shoot action. Yeah. And, and, and this on the flip side is someone being like, what if we take, what if we decouple reality from the camera? What if we go in and out? Like what can we hide in a, in a shot? Um, as opposed to what can we reveal, which is what I'm saying Kurosawa is doing. And yeah, and, and that all adds together into this, like, like that all adds to the sense of folktale about it and that it is, and, and perfection, and that it seems just like, absolutely, this is how it should be. Yeah, the thing that I think works so well about, about Mitsuguchi's take on folktales is he he takes these, like, very simple stories and just, like, and just like drives home at like very universal truths through them, which is what a good folktale does. Yeah. And and I think there are very few filmmakers I can think of who I think manage that in the same way that that Mitsuguchi does. Well, and we spoke about this with Sancho, so we won't we won't uh, resod already hoed mm. ground. But he is clearly speaking to what was then his modern Japan, yeah. post World War Two Japan. Uh, he's doing that here as as much as he was doing it in Sensho. Um, and yet both of those films still, and like it does speak to the, the fact that the default state of man, which is to say humanity, but man is war and that, that all major innovations in culture have been in response to war, which is a, a thesis I'm, I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But the Mitsuguchi is speaking a film that feels like it is so urgently speaking to its then modern audience, but speaks, it feels modern in mm. its message. And it is modern and it's not in a way where it is like Mitsuguchi Black is a great contrast here because Mitsuguchi Black's um, message is trying so hard to be universal. Yes, it, yeah, it, it is trying for timelessness. In a very, very uh, 90s way. Well, and, and by being about how, like, a media mogul should be allowed to sell his empire. No, it's, it's him choosing not to. I know, but, he yeah. sh- but they try and stop him to start with. Right. 
Um, no, because he at the beginning he wants to, and they stop him, okay. and then and then the bad guy sells them on the idea, and he stops them. Anyway. Right, right. But and it all like watching, yeah, it just feels so like down to the fact that deaths. <laughs> Brad Pitt has like dip dipped blonde hair yep. is just like it is so it's already a relic in the way that Ugetsu is sim- isn't um, and it is within that kind of feeling of, of perfection of timeless timelessness is that I ask you is that at all what it's like being dead I'll tell you what there are so many there are so many there are so many fucking like like slightly handsome people with hair curtains up in heaven. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't know. Like, like we, 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 we feel like nineties here where it's like flops falling oh, parts right, in the middle. Right, hair, yeah, right, hair curtains. Oh, right. No, yeah, no. I thought that's what you were saying. Yeah. Getsu was full of. No. I was like, no, the hats and veils is no, what they are. Lot, I wish there were more hats and veils up here because there are a lot of incredible ones in Ugetsu. Uh, yeah. Let's talk Which, about uh, and another another theme running through running through Mitsuguchi's films is is status being denoted by cool hats. I think that is a trope of oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of 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 the era mm. in in like roughs are in in Elizabethan drama mm. or uh, I don't know popped collars will be and when they make historical dramas about this era. Oh, I'm so ready for that. I mean, all, all popped collars in uh, uh, when we make historical dramas about uh, the mid '90s, like The Insider. Hey, Ben. Yeah, that film was about the early '90s. Oh, is that the early '90s? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I have no idea when the Unabomber was. Anyway, if anyone hasn't seen The Insider, the it's a real good one, and it ends with El Pacino uh, popping his collar in slow motion. It's fantastic. And uh, like Russell Crowe's best ever acting, which is his. Oh. Which is his daughter having an asthma attack and him giving her her inhaler and coldly explaining to her the science of what is happening inside her body (laughs) to reassure her. We are like, oh no, I understand why this guy got to be a monster for like the next 30 years. Or 20. Well, it's still going. He seems to have mellowed out. Robin Hood 2, when? Yeah. The, 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 the nice guys too. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm excited about. Master and Commander too. I mean, yeah. Master and Commander, the far side of, of Robin the, of Hood. Of the far side. And everyone's just cows. <laughs> Master and Commander, but, but they keep encountering far side. Yeah. But, but, but every time they need to repair the boat, they can only use cow tools to do it. The only movie they can watch is Ishtar. Etc. Etc. Uh, Other far side cartoons. Finn. Yeah. We have to get on the phone <laughs> to Peter Weir. Yeah. Peter. Pete. And Gary Larson. We'll do a conference call. Is Gary Larson still alive? I believe so. Yeah. Oh man, he is going to have a great gravestone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk Ugetsu. Now that we've established it's not what the afterlife is like, we should define things uh, in negative. So like Sancho, we start with a bit with with some titles on screen saying the character of Max Zorin is not Mm. meant to represent any 
Um, Thanks to Martin Scorsese for helping with the for helping with with the restoration. Yeah, shout out to Marty. It, it says in, yeah. in beautiful katakana. Well, kanji. Anyway, it starts with these opening <laughs> titles, um, uh, which are like this is adapted from some ghost stories. Uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, it yeah, in, in in the sort of like yeah, in a very similar vein to the opening of Sancho. It's like, these are stories about a long time ago, but mm, maybe they've got some relevance. Yeah, wink, wink. Um, and so we meet Johnny Potts, kiln master. Genjiro. He loves two things, chewing gum and making money selling pottery during wartime. Mm-hmm. And he's all out of gum because it does not yet exist. Well, and he loves his wife, Ohama. Yeah. Played by Mitsuk- um, Mitsuko Mito. Yeah. Um, but she's like, because they've just, they go, him and his friend who is uh, a bizarre jerking clown automata who uh, wants to be a samurai. Yeah, uh, his, uh, his name is Toby or Tobe. He's played by Itaro Ozawa. Yeah. And this guy has such a sense of restless, uh, 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 per, uh, perpetual motion. Yeah, that he seems <laughs> like stop motion animated. There, 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 there is a bit where he is pulling a wagon like a horse, <laughs> in just the the craziest, jerkiest way you've ever seen someone pull a wagon before. I just don't think you understand if you're listening to this how much business this guy has. Yeah, it sort of feels like the actor is like getting his first big break, and he's like, I'm gonna use up every single inch of film. Well, and he also this guy, but also like. It works for the character yeah, because yeah. he's this man who seems like borderline chemically addicted to the idea of being a samurai. Yes. Whenever he sees a warrior or someone in armor, he's like, oh, you're a samurai? Could I yeah, be a samurai? He, 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 he has this urge to like run after them and attempt to pledge his undying fealty to them. Yeah, which is clearly a trope, mm. uh, uh, as we'll see when we inevitably get to a Magnificent Seven D-Make, yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah, the magnificent a- samurai persons. <laughs> yeah, by Akira, the 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 psychic boy. Yeah, the little psychic yeah. boy turns into a big tumor monster. Yeah, and Sorry, I just love Akira mm-hmm. Kurosawa. Yeah. Anyway, um, and, and so they yeah, go. Whereas I, whereas I love Kiyoshi Kurosawa. I love- well, I love Karen Kusama, and I don't really love her as appreciate her work. <laughs> You know, yeah. I think there's a lot. You're not, you're not a, you're not a Jennifer's body stan. I w- like Jennifer's body is like I'm very happy we have Jennifer's body, yeah. and I'm just very sad that we don't have more films like Jennifer's body that are so, better than Jennifer's that body than yeah, Jennifer's yeah. body. But it is like it's 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 Mean Girls horror. And it is interesting, and Diablo Cody always has something to say, and it is just the way that she says it that I usually disagree with. Honest to blog. But yeah, so they, they him and, uh, so Johnny Potts and Samurai Guy want uh, go to cook up some pots. They go to the nearby town and they sell them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But an old guy, an old sageman, uh, in their little farming community, t- tells his wife, "Like, look, you got a war is coming. One of the mm. you know the civil wars that's going on. Um, he shouldn't cook anymore. We should. You should have a plan to leave. Yeah, he shouldn't be like betting his whole future on being able to mm. 
travel around and sell his pottery because when you're traveling during a war, you, you get lucky a couple times maybe, but that bad, bad luck can't yeah. last forever. That and a bit of easy come, easy, easy yeah, yeah. go is what he says. And so when they get back from that sale... Uh, he, he's, he's got, like, serious money for the first time. His, yeah. his, his pot sold for more than he expected. Yeah. He's got three silver coins. Yeah. He uh, buys a uh, he buys a nice kimono for his wife. Yeah. He buys uh, some uh, like a real cool uh, like uh, he buys a real cool tiny kimono for his son. His son's name is 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 Genichi. Genichi played by Ichi Saburo so, uh, so, Sawamura. Um, Genichi in in this little kimono. I, I do have to stress, as weird as a statement this is, is I don't think there's a better styled character in film than this little no, boy. No, no, this, 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 this kid's fucking rocking it for the whole film. <laughs> he, the drip. <laughs> but, like, his hair his hair is always up and, like, like playful, but, like, you know, <sighs> precise little ponytails in different directions. He's, oh, the, oh, the fit. It's just, oh, this kid. He has maybe one line of dialogue in the whole film. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he says daddy a couple of times yeah. while waving. He's like four, Yeah, you know? He, and just to be clear, this kid, not good at waving. No, and a lot of screaming as well. Yeah. Um, like, he, he, he is, you know, yeah, like, he, he, he is dressed immaculately, but, bad, but, but, but like, bad at waving. Just kind of like, it's, it's kind of like in Furious 7 when, when, when Ronda Rousey shows up. And she yeah. she has like a fight scene which she's very good in, and then she has two lines of dialogue, both of which she just completely flubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um maybe the most humiliating defeat she's faced. <laughs> yep, I, I mean, I mean, there's that. There's uh, uh, there is uh, being one of the leads of Mile Twenty Two, starring Mark Wahlberg. He's bought them great stuff, mm. and the wife is like, okay. This, War this, stuff, is this stuff's great, but also I like just being married to you and hanging yeah. out. And let's prepare. And he's like, no, no, no. We are going to make the shit out of some more pottery. I'm going to make the best pots I've ever made. Uh, and then we get a couple of montages, working real hard on the pots. Great to see someone at a uh, a wheel. Yeah, a pottery, uh, pottery wheel. wheel. And it is just... They play Unchained Melody. It's a whole thing. Yeah, no, and, and it's unfortunate. Fortunate that there's no other film we could watch with that combines both romance with ghosts, except for Holmes and Watson. But we've already done that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's got the scene with the like pottery. Yeah, it's got yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I presume is a reference to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, good one, Etan. They 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 put all the pottery in the kiln. Yeah, Uh, they're adding fire to it. Then oh no. The bad guys are coming. The, the bad guys are attacking. Yeah, yeah. So they they they, they all have to flee into the woods because uh, because the, this this army is rampaging through a town, ransacking houses, taking men for forced labor, attacking and assaulting the women because that's what uh, samurai do. But it's a good she has a very uh, dark view of Japanese history and and Japanese yeah. present. Yeah, and. In Japanese film, there are, there are always these like two different ways of looking at samurai. There are filmmakers who who see the samurai as like noble, as as protectors, as yeah. great warriors, and then there there are people like Mitsuguchi who see samurai as violent, uh, power hungry scum. Yeah, they are enforcers of hierarchical power. Yeah, who only like who exist only to enrich themselves and mm. subjugate others. And in like sort of the middle, you have Kurosawa who really straddles the line. In Seven Samurai, he sort of thinks that samurai are 
kind of obsolete. They are, they are old fashioned and that villagers are right to be suspicious of them. But but also that there is something there is something like noble and important about them. Yeah, there there's an uh, yeah an inherent nobility to them, yeah. or or there is he believes in them as as a symbol. Yeah, and where yeah like Mitsuguchi obviously through the character of samurai man, a samurai friend man, is is so clearly playing up that idea. Uh, anyway, so they return. Uh, uh, they're like, no, we have to go. And he's like, no, my pottery, my kiln. Like, yeah. No, that's insane. You can't. Yeah, you you can't you can't you can't give up your life. Like yeah, like m- m- money money is not as important as your life or the lives yeah. of your family. And so they, they, they all they all flee into the woods uh, to 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 hide from the rampaging samurai for a while. Yeah. And and then uh, after like a couple of hours, he 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 can't take it anymore. Yeah, like he he hears that 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 the, that the screams and the gunshots have. Have quieted down, so he says. You know, I've I've got to I've got to go back and check on the yeah. kill, and I can't let the fire go out. And so he runs back into town, and he sees that uh, that the fire in the kiln has gone out. And yeah. he believes he's failed. Heartbroken. Uh, his wife Ohama runs back to be with him. Yeah, and then they hear some samurai coming, so they hide behind the corner of their house. And the samurai uh, come to uh, check if anyone is hiding in the kiln. They break it open. They look inside, and they're like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of shitty pots in here." Yeah. And and then, then, then they they storm off, and Genjiro and Ohama they 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 come back out, and he's you know devastated. But then he looks down at the pot on the ground, and he sees that it's been it's been properly killed. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, it's it's but it's perfect. It's yeah. his best ever. Yeah. So he's like, all right, let's pick it up. We're gonna go to this other town. Gonna sell up this this town's not being attacked. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and so, uh, but 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 this town they 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 have to go by boat rather than rather than wagon. Yep. And so they, Toby's wife Miyagi was a daughter of a riverboat captain. Yes. And so yeah, they're, yeah. they're getting her to row and steer the boat for them. So it's all five of them on the boat in this incredibly beautiful and like eerie set where they are rowing through the water on this big flat canoe type boat. Yeah. And the entire surrounding is just is just mist. Mm. And it looks like there was like real mist in the foreground, and in the background is like a matte painting of of which of, contains of mist. mist. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's uh, it's exactly what you want. Uh, it's exactly what you want this incredibly eerie scene to look like. Yeah, to, and all film. Yeah, and uh, then while they are rowing along, they see another boat coming out of the mist. And uh, first, they think it is some sort of lake spirit. Yeah, but then but then uh, the guy in the boat's like. No, I'm not a lake spirit. I'm just dying because I was attacked by pirates. There's lots of pirates around here. It's very dangerous. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't go there. Blah. Yeah. And uh, they they give him some water, and he dies. And uh, they 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 push his boat off. And so then they decide that uh, they decide that Ohama and Genichi should go back because uh, it's too dangerous for them. Yeah. But Toby, Miyagi, and Genjiro are going to go ahead to the town. So um, they they row back to shore. They let Ohama and Genichi off, and then they go back. And so they go to town. They do great business. Yeah, everyone's loving their pots. Yeah. This is when we meet Lady Wakasa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, who is the person with her? Uh, her name is Ukon, and she is played by an actress called Kikue Mori, mm-hmm. uh, who was also in Sancho the Bailiff. I think she might have been the old woman who was dying and sent and I had to carry her so, up the mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, at least by my memories. Yeah, and she was also in. Uh, she was also in the original uh, 1971 uh, film of Silence by uh, by 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 Masahiro Shinoda. Oh. Lady Wakasa is a uh, terrifying and ethereal woman. Her face painted completely white and no eyebrows. Yeah, wearing as, a giant hat and a big veil. And, and sometimes she has eyebrows that are like essentially just like smudges. On her temples, yeah, it like, looks like it looks like she's starting to grow like devil horns. Yeah, she's highly stylized, even within an already stylized form. Mm. And she, there's the sense of her. You first meet just her hat, you know, mm. her talking, and then if, uh, the way the way Mitsuguchi slowly reveals her to you, and that she is like in a genuine sense a fantastic creation. In that she seems of fantasy, mm. but in reality, there is something, uh, and it is in both performance and and sonography, genuinely otherworldly about her. Yeah, which so is she, quite yeah, quite hard to express. I yeah, guess. yeah. And so she she wants to buy a bunch of his pots. Yeah, they ask him to 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 take the pots to the place, which is like uh, it's called like a Katsubi Manor. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a, a big, big old scary house on the edge of town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. While Genjiro is selling pots, mm. uh, a, a bunch of soldiers uh, run past, and and uh, and and Toby is uh, gripped with a mania again. He just steals, uh, like he just steals all the money that they have. When the soldiers run past, you you see you see him start to kind of like like shake. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Genjiro grabs him and just says, like, is, Don't, do not look at them. But it's like. He's fully hooked on this idea. He cannot help himself. His wife is chasing him. Yeah. It's like a, a, uh, a the, semi-comic uh, uh, a chase through um, the marketplace. Yeah. And the first time in the movie that they went to sell the pots, he saw another group of samurais uh, go past. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, he, like, uh, uh, he like snuck into the samurai barracks and threw himself at the feet of a samurai and, yeah, just like begged to, to be like allowed to be one of his vassals. And they, you know, make fun of him and kick him because he's, because he's like poor. Yeah. And they tell him, you need to go buy armor and a spear before we'll, before we'll even look at you. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so this time he, he cannot help himself. He, he, his, his, what his wife chases after him. Uh, he, he, he runs past an armor shop. Yeah. And, uh, uh, hides around the corner and his, his, his wife runs past him and runs off in the opposite direction. And he, Comes back in and uh, buys a uh, like fairly shabby suit of armor, yeah, and 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 a sword and a spear, and uh, and starts talking about how like now 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 I look like a great warrior. Uh, isn't everyone going to be so impressed with me? Yeah, and they're like, uh, well, nah. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, but what? Okay, what would it take to to impress you? <laughs> and and he runs off to join the war to prove himself yeah. to, to his wife. Um, and, and while this is happening, uh, it, and his wife is just left there walking the streets yes. where she is assaulted. Yes. Uh, which is by a, by a large group of samurai. Yeah. It's no good. If you no. ask me, <laughs> um, is a no. And of course she, she, she has a scene where she kind of like, Shouts at like the 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 like idea of her husband, yeah. About like, yeah, like kind of like this, this is all your fault for abandoning me. 
but also like these men who represent the thing that you have essentially abandoned me to be uh, the, uh, the men who attacked me. Yeah. There are lots of things this movie is about. But one of them is like about like people being blinded by traditionalism and yeah. by like ideas of honor and those ideas getting in the way of being able to live a happy and fulfilled life. Yeah. And like within that, what what good is even and like mm. is good something that has to be seen to be done mm. um, or, and is good something you can perform because, yeah, then the story splits here. And so we should just see through a samurai guy's plot right, to yeah. the end. Uh, and so, yeah, he just, he joins in a bunch of fights. He does a terrible job. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but, but there, there, there's like one time after a fight where he is able to like sneak up on a couple of guys. Yeah. And he, and he attacks and kills them and like, and like takes one of their scalps. As, as proof that he's a warrior. No, he, uh, they are two soldiers on the other side who have the head of one of the generals on his side. Okay. He kills them, takes the head and goes like, I can con my way to greatness with this. Mm. I'm going to go to the other guy's side with the head oh, and be like, okay. look how good a job I've done. Right. And, and and he does that and they're like, great job, have a horse, have all this shit. Mm. And so he goes back and finds his wife and he's like, look, look how good I am. Well, he doesn't find her on purpose. Oh, no. He, he, now that he is a big famous samurai, he goes to like a samurai geisha bar yeah. where all the other samurai are. And he, he runs into his wife there, who is now a, like, famous prostitute. Yeah. And he's like, but, oh, and then there's a big kind of, there's, there's a, big, of a like, massive argument. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, a, yeah, 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 there's a big confrontation between between them where she finally gets to, to like, save herself to him that she said before about, uh, yeah, about the, so like, about the, like, evils of, of, of the, like, samurai class and and, and how his... His like single-minded devotion to to this like fake idea of what a samurai is yeah. has led to so much pain and horror for her. And, and it, yeah, it is this, and like you have to make this right. Mm. She keeps saying like you have to buy back my mm. honor or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And, and they kind of reunite, but in a broken way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're, he they're, they're, yeah, their 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 plot at the end of the movie. Kind of re- re- resolves with 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 him throwing away his armor and his weapons, yeah, and and like re re recommitting to her that he is going to like they they they're going to go back to their land mm. and he's going to work hard and and focus on like loving her, yeah, rather than trying to like be someone else. That is the closest thing this film has to a happy ending, mm. in a way, um, because. Yeah. So uh, while Genjuro is uh, trying to take all of the pots to Lady Wakasa's house, he stops for a second and looks at a kimono store. Yeah. And he he sees he sees all these like all these beautiful kimonos hanging on the wall. He talks to the shopkeeper, and the shopkeeper says, "No, you 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 couldn't afford any of these." Yeah, yeah. And he 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 takes out his 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 coin purse, and he he. He's like, yeah, I mean, I, I could I could probably afford a few of them. Mm. I mean, he has he has this fantasy of of. Of his, of his wife walking out from behind the the curtain of kimonos and, and looking at all of them. Mm. And he has this scene where he imagines her looking at all of them, wearing all of them. And yeah, it, it's another one of his like fantasies of wealth. Yeah. And then that fantasy is broken when Ukon and Lady Wakasa walk up behind him and say, oh, we, we thought you might need a guide to get to our house. Yeah. And so they, they all go back to, they all go back to the house 
And now this house, regular, normal mm. house, not at all weird and somewhat non-geographical. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have a haunting aura, no. as the kids would say. I, I don't even know why I'm stressing those things. There is not a uh, uh, there is not a uh, small army of silent maids dressed in all black who sort of shuffle around with candles. Yeah, uh, this place has a real sense of. Um, the somnambule, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it is, it, it does feel like a genuine other space. Like they, and, it, and it's beautiful choreography and cinematography and performance, but it does feel like they've taken a camera into like, and this is only managing to capture this perceptual plane of this experience, if you know what I mean. Like it, it's, it's crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he 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 goes back with him to Katsubi Manor, and him and Lady Wakasa have some tea, yeah. and he sees that the tea and the rice is is being served in in his in his pots that he that he's just bought to the house. Yeah, and and, and, and she says, "I I wanted you to to taste um ah oh, come on sake from from your own work." Yeah, yeah, and and he is he he is like. Well, uh, he he is like almost brought to tears by 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 this. Yeah, his, his it feels religious. Yeah, this she, moment she is to him this like image of wealth and power and beauty and status. Yeah, and feel like fact that she is giving the time of day to his like humble pottery is the single most important moment of his life. And, and like the key thing to to stress within that moment is that of course like there's no real we don't really have much information on her. Mm. Um, she she is someone who exists both outside the film and also like outside the world of the film, if you know what mm. I mean. I mean, yeah, the entire rest of the film is so grounded in reality. Yeah, and, I mean every scene of her. She, 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 well, she, this this folktale idea of reality, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and she she is so ethereal. All of the spaces she inhabits feel feel dreamlike and strange. Yeah, and and all the interactions that she is involved with feel feel like heightened and extreme in a way that n- nothing else in the film does really. Uh, and but it works like yeah. it's the only way it could be. And yeah. so and so and they have this very strange courtship which is kind of two people. Yeah, it's not like they fall in love or he falls in love with her. And it's not like what I'm about to describe is not me being unable to breach a cultural divide. Like there there are many points in this film where I feel that. But it is, it seems to be more like like an exchange of energies. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no big... There's no running into the rain. I love you. Scene. Right, yeah, yeah. The, the grandest gesture is, is is giving him food and drink from his own pottery, and yet through this eerie kind of um, montage of moments they have together, and he has in the world, it it, it feels like yeah, it feels logical, yeah, and, and, and sane. It's not like you get the sequence of the two of them like falling in love, yeah. which leaves them occasionally to go back to stories of Ohama or Tobe or Miyagi. Yeah. But this is the like main focus of the film. And so it, it's the two of them in, in their house. There's the scene that you've mentioned before where, where they're in the hot springs, yeah. which then transitions into them at a picnic. 
And uh, the the like first time we really get the idea that something is properly wrong is uh, 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 is that uh, there, there is there is one day when when Gunjuro has left the house to go into town, and he he is buying uh, he he is he's he's buying some supplies from uh, from 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 a store, and he he's buying too much stuff to be able to carry all at once. Yeah. So he says. Uh, uh, so he 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 says to the to the store owner. Uh, could, could, uh, uh, could 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 you have uh, could could you have all of this uh, uh, sent to Katsubi Manor? Yeah, and the the the, the shopkeeper looks uh, shocked yeah. and horrified, and and then Genjiro repeats like I- I'm 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 staying with Lady Bukasa at 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 Katsubi Manor, and and the shopkeeper yeah j- just sort of goes fully pale and 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 pu- push pushes all the pushes all the stuff yeah. towards him and just says keep keep your money take this I. Just, just go now. And, and this guy, I think, is only in this or like one other scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I think he's just in this scene. But it is just an incredible moment uh, of, again, in this highly stylized world. But it's this moment of pitch perfect supernatural terror. Yeah, like, uh, uh, it, it, in a way that does all the way. And the fact that 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 is, I think, like beyond the general vibe, mm. our only clue, quote unquote. That something's not up with yeah. the, explicitly uh, until the the reveal, which we're about to get to. Yeah. Um, well, and so it, he goes back to the manor and he says, "Hey, I just have this real weird interaction with, with this guy." Yeah, and like, what's what's up with that? And Ukon and Lady Wakasa give him this sort of story about how oh, people in town, people in the town look down on us because we're like two women living out here alone. Yeah, and and everyone has a lot of contempt for us. But you know it's good that you're here now. We'll, we'll all be happy together. And then I think like a a there is another scene with some other people. And then a few days later, he is walking through town again, and he he walks past like uh, he walks past like an elderly priest. Yeah. And the 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 priest kind of turns to him and stops him and says, "You you you have like an aura of the supernatural about you. Mm. You 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 have been involved with with." something with something evil yeah you are steeped in the arcane yeah um and he's like nah nah but but no i'm just hanging out with some weird ladies who act like uh ghosts sorry ghosts yeah and then the priest's like oh okay that sounds actually pretty chill then uh, and then the film is over. Yeah. Yeah, everything is uh, fine, yeah. turns out. Yeah. So the priest writes a Buddhist prayer on him in, 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 in Sanskrit. All over his back. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which is uh, an incredibly compelling visual. Yeah. His back covered in uh, in the these characters, yeah. these glyphs. As we all know from, from Quidon and uh, the Impossible Planet, uh, putting put weird symbols on someone, uh, very cinematic. Looks yeah. great. Yeah. And... Uh, and so he spends like the next ten minutes of this film shirtless mm. with well, these. He has the symbols on him. He puts his shirt back on. He goes back to the manor, and uh, when Lady Wakasa tries to touch him, she she seems to be like repelled by some sort of force. Yeah, and uh, uh, then he 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 is knocked onto the ground, and uh, uh, his 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 shirt comes off, and Wakasa and and Yukon they see these symbols on him, and uh, they are horrified by them. Yeah. And then he realizes, oh, these two are like, there's, there's something real weird going on with these two. Yeah. And uh, also there's a scene where him and Lady Wakasa get married. 
and mm. the scene where she tries to touch him, I think, begins with him confessing that he uh, that, that he already had another wife. Yeah, that he's a bigamist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and then she she tries to she tries to touch him, and that's when she is repelled. But yeah, so he they 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 they, they see the Sanskrit symbols all over him, mm-hmm. and that they're they're horrified by them. He realizes there's something fucked up going on. He picks up a sword and just starts like waving it around and stumbling through uh, rice paper walls. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, it's just another great scene of mm. someone ha- uh, just fully, fully freaking out. And, and like in a way where it is like in that scenario, I look at it and go like, yeah, that's how I'd, I'd flip out. Yeah, 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 yeah I'd, fair, you know. Yeah. And uh, this scene ends with him uh, falling through a wall uh, off a balcony and uh, bangers hit on the ground outside yeah. and uh, being knocked out. Uh, he, he wakes up the next morning. Uh, 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 he's surrounded by uh, he's surrounded by soldiers, and they see the sword that he has with him, and they say, "Hey, that's a that's a sacred sword. You stole that from a temple like a yeah. month ago." And he's like, "No, no, it belonged to Lady Wakasa. She gave it to me in, in the in, in the in the in the manor." And they're like, "No one's lived in that manor for fifty, 50 years. years." You know, the woman who lived in that manor died 50 years ago. They were killed by samurai. And then, yeah, and then they, 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 they take a sword and they take the last of his money off of them. Mm. And they, they, you know, they, they, they tell him, you, you usually would put a scum like you in jail, but uh, our jail was destroyed in the war. So you get to go free. Lucky yeah. you. And he's like, duh. Yeah. So they, they, they walk away and uh, he turns around to look at the manor, but, uh, it's not there anymore. Well, there, there, there is. Uh, no, this mm. is, uh, uh, yes, absolutely mm. that's what happened. But for us, for the people watching it, um, is that this is staged so that the 90 degree line, you know, that films yes. don't cross, is looking out from the manor. So we have had one shot of him stam- stumbling out yelling, yeah. see him leaving the manor, and then we're all looking from the manor's perspective past him at the men. Yeah. Um, and they tell him all of this. He looks back. We see his shocked expression, but we don't know what he's seeing. Yeah, and and and, and then the camera turns. Well, the camera pans with him, and we start mm. to see wreckage behind him slowly. Yeah. And it is just like like it gets to the same point, but how how it how Mitsuguchi knows so precisely how to drop, you know, like pepper the uh. uh Pepper shit, you yeah, know, you yeah, know, exactly. yeah, yeah. like like where, how he lay, how he knows how to lay out the deal. Mm. Oh yeah, it's just like as much as we can talk about the vibe, and, and we should like the craftsmanship. Too. Yeah, yeah, like fuck, yeah, Congra- and Kenji, good Congrats. job. Yeah, and uh, there's also a scene that we missed out where Ohama and Genichi are walking along the road when uh, they are also attacked by samurai. Yeah. and Ohama is killed. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, um, but uh, so uh, n- now, now, now that uh, now that now that Genjiro's uh, now that Genjiro's uh, ghost wife is dead, he's like, oh well, better better go back to my regular wife then. Yeah, so oh, um, we yeah. all you're gonna do it. Um, so he 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 trudges back to his town and uh, uh, and and kind of look and like looks around uh, and he sees his he sees his old house. In a uh, state of uh, massive disrepair, the be- beams are fallen down. He, the he, windows are all like broken stuff. And- it's 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 just in bits. And yeah. he and he walks through it once, 
Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the, there is, I think, probably my favourite one in, in the film, where you see him walk through his house. It is empty. It's filled with cobwebs. Yeah. Then the camera stays inside the house as he walks out the back door yeah. and walks around the side of the house. And as he walks around the side of the house, the fire in the house lights and Ohama appears there. And, and I'm sure there are other, like, I think, like, the, the, the layout is now different. Mm. Like, it's all... All changed. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and you see him like come back around to 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 to, to the windows and he, he looks back in and he see and he sees her. Yeah. And and he he's he's forgotten that he just walked through an empty deserted house. But we cannot forget it. Yeah. And so then we have this kind of final movement of the film, which is just a lot uh, his his kid is there as well, looking uh, just whoever styled that child is the best like costume and makeup person and hair person in the world. <laughs> like congratulations. Um, uh, is that yeah, he, 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 he walks back into the house. Yeah. She's super happy to see him that they, they, you know, she, 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 she's got, she's got food. She's got food boiling. She gives them some stews, gives them some tea and, uh, and yeah, he, she goes and wakes up Genichi and then they're all together as a family again. And then they they go to bed, and 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 it's just like this five minute scene of, of like, in many ways like mundane but heartbreaking uh, domesticity. Yeah. Um. And like they talk about plot, and he's like, oh, I did all these things, blah blah blah. But it it it's mainly about like the the warmth and love of family. Mm. Um. Uh, uh. Which is, oh, it's good shit. Yeah. It, 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 it and. It is all the more heartbreaking because you're watching it knowing she is dead mm. and knowing she is not there but and knowing that he doesn't know. Yeah. It's just, and yeah, when he wakes up and she's gone, it's heartbreaking but inevitable. Well, yeah, so he, yeah, he, he, he is woken up the next morning by, by, by one of the village elders yeah. uh, uh, coming, coming to the house and, and, and knocking on the door. And when when the elder sees Genjiro, uh, he is very happy that Genjiro is back. Yeah, but he is sort of shocked by it, and uh, he, yeah. So uh, then 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 Genjiro invites him in, mm. and uh, and and starts calling and starts calling for Ohama, uh, and and that's when the elder, uh, like looks at at Genjiro and says. She's 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 dead. Yeah, she's she's been dead for 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 like weeks now. Yeah, same trick, no less. Mm. And it turns out that the elder had taken Genichi in after Ohama's death. Yeah, he uh, ran away last night. Yeah, and, and then we see that we see that uh, we see that uh, we see we see that we see that Genichi is still there. And yeah, and 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 then and then we have a scene with uh, then we have a scene with with Tobe. And 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 Miyagi, where yeah. where 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 he throws away all of his samurai equipment, and they go back to to live at the farm next door. Mm. And then, yeah, there, there's just the 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 four of them now: uh, Toby, Miyagi, Genichi, and Genjiro. Mm. And uh, they're all just trying to farm and live their lives. There's a little bit of talking about the morals here. There's yeah. a little bit of like, oh. Yeah, the only thing you need to do to be a good husband, you know, you don't need to be a samurai, you just need to be a good man. But it took you 
nearly dying to learn that. Yeah, which it, is, it, 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 it gets a bit obvious with a message in a way that old movies do a fair bit. I mean, and, and like, this is restraint even for now, this yeah. amount of messaging. Um, it's just that my preference is zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but it, oh, it's great. It's just great. Yeah. And then um, the, and, the, the, the final shot of the movie is he's working on a new pot with his son next to him. Mm-hmm. While they are working, Miyagi comes over to them mm-hmm. and says, Hey, I've got, I've got some, I've got some food for all of you. Uh, eat, eat it before it gets cold. And she gives a bowl of food to, uh, she gives a bowl of food to Genichi and he, uh, uh, he he picks it up and runs over to his mother's grave and puts the bowl of food uh, down uh, on 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 her on her grave and uh, uh, and and starts to pray and then uh, the the camera cranes up and we see we we we, we see the, like other farms in the distance and and uh, then we, then it fades to black. As, yeah, it's great. It's sound it's sound as hell. Yeah, no, it it's hard to. Yeah, like like the last one. Yeah, sound as hell. Uh, like Saint Show, this is good and short. Yeah, and, the, 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 yeah. The, this movie is ninety six minutes long. Well, and it just feels monumental. Mm, yeah. Like it is. Just, like my key thing about this film is that I don't know. Like I love Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, and, and, but like, I don't know why, and I'm sure maybe I just didn't pay enough attention in the right classes when I was doing film, but I, my only real engagements with Mitsuguchi have been through this podcast. Mm. And as much as I love this podcast, <laughs> uh, that's not, you know, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. That's, I'm not, it's not a diss on you. <laughs> it's, cr- it's crazy to me that he's not just one, one of the guys that everyone no, talks about. And uh, like. In a way that is kind of like, you know how it, it's like D.W. Griffiths, mm. Charlie Chaplin, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know, or yeah. like maybe not that list, but I mean, you know I, what I mean. Yeah. I'm sure that in Japan he, he is. And I absolutely believe that, that there are cinephiles, cineasts listening to this who are like. Oh, yeah, everyone knows about Mitsuguchi. Everyone knows about fucking Mitsuguchi. But I was like, and, and, and like, like, yes, like, like, I, 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 I'd like heard of him before before I started doing this podcast. Uh, and like, again, I'm sure I had, yeah. But like, a, he had not stuck in my brain, which you know, some of that is right, you know. But you know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying, right? Yeah. Like he, it should be. It, it, he, 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 he. Well, he 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 shouldn't be just be like one of those guys that you've sort of heard of and like oh yeah he's probably pretty good. No, he should be like he should be one of the people that you that you study when you start to get into film. Well, and I'm oh I so like my film lecturers are listening to this being like how dare you? We worked so hard to teach you about Kenji. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just what? Yeah, it feels monumental. It feels special. It feels magical. And I'm glad that we both agree on that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, no. You think it's sound, I think it's sound, I th- yeah, magical. Uh, I cannot wait to see more of this guy's films. Mm. I cannot wait to revisit this film. And I'm, I'm glad everyone agrees. Like, as much as many people may not know Mitsuguchi, at least universally beloved is you what I I've got say. terrible news for you. What? No. Letterboxd user uh, Rich Pure Doom gave us one star. Oh, God. Like rich, like Richard. Uh, no, no idea. Okay, I just—it's 
so hard to find like trust and love mm. in, in this world to find things that you can get really engrossed in and, and feel really attached to. So I do take Rich's stance on this quite personally. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'll make sure to cut out my, my open sobbing. Yeah, your, your, your wailing and gnashing of teeth. Ah, uh, yeah, you know me so well. Yeah. This is actually the second time I sat through this. For as much praise as Mitsuguchi gets for his craftsmanship, it only truly impressed me in the last of the chrysanthemums. His skill with crafting a compelling narrative or memorable characters is absolutely dreadful. His characters are just pawns for his misery scenarios. You, n- you never learn anything about them outside of, of what is happening to them, and because of this, his films are essentially torture porn. Okay, so here is the thing. Um, none of that is wrong. The mistake Rich is making is having a very set idea of what characters can be or are for within a story. I mean, I'd also disagree that his films are torture porn. Oh, no, I, I think in a way, like, if then you the, use the, torture the, porn as a neutral descriptor... Well, like, my, my, my sort of conception of what people mean by torture porn has always been, like, a, 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 a film where you are supposed... where, like, you take pleasure in watching people being destroyed, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you're never supposed to... Which you're, I'd say, almost never supposed to do in a Mitsuguchi film. Like pe- people are put through horrible, horrible torment, mm. but like, but but like that that's 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 never that's never the like fun part of his movies. Well, and and like even Samurai Guy, um, who is a comic character, mm. when he hits tragedy, it is not comedy. It's no. not for pleasure. It is. It, the jokes drain out of it. Yeah, that 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 scene where he where 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 his, where his wife confronts him at, at, the, at the geisha bar is like is is like a genuinely upsetting scene. I need to learn more about Rich. Is there a way we could uh, learn what he's been filming? Well, you you could have a go at guessing. Uh, uh, you could have a go at guessing uh, his his top four films. Then, hmm? you're a genius. The the first of Rich's favorite films. Uh, is a sequel which was later remade. Um, hmm. The Wrath of Khan. Star Trek 2. The no. Wrath of Khan. Okay, no. Uh, oh. I was so, my brain was so banking on Wrath of Khan to be right. What a horrific thing to say. Um, this millennium or last millennium? Uh, uh last. Okay. Are both remake second films? Uh, no, the 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 remake is a standalone film. So the 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 first film was in, was from the sixties. This film yeah. was from the seventies, and then the remake was in the early two thousands. It feels v- like it's very obvious now. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's uh. It's, comedy. Uh, no. Dramedy. Nope. Horror. Yes. Do, do, do you want me to tell you who did the score? Is it Bernard Herrmann? No, it's Goblin. Oh, it's Asperia. No. The... No, the, 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 this is not an Italian film, but it, it's a soundtrack by Goblin. Um, oh, like 13 Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill? No. God, okay. So this is... Last uh, House on the Left? No. Is it a Wes Craven film? No. Oh my God, okay. So this, this is the uh, second of uh, how many... Films in this series. 
uh, this is the second of uh, four films, or but you could argue is maybe a couple other ones. The first one was from the 60s. This film was from the 70s. There was a third film in the 80s, and then uh, then another film in the series in the 2000s, around the same time as the remake of this film. Arguably the the defining film in this uh, 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 in this subgenre of horror. Is Linda Catalini in it? Uh, sadly, she is not. No, she was not alive at the time, I presume. Or maybe just. Yeah, pro- I'd say like just alive. Um, American? Yeah. Ah, oh, Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Okay, great. Yes. Oh, right. Three days. Yeah. Who? Oh, now it's three. It's a trilogy. There's stuff after day. But it's not like well. So on 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 no, on, on on Letterboxd, uh, uh, land land of the dead is uh, is is counted as being part of oh part yeah of a series. yeah no no yeah. no I know I know uh, 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 but it's not like not not in any way that actually matters if you know what I yeah. mean without without being a dick. Um. So uh, the 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 second film on the list. Is uh, is a war film with no uh, violence. Jahid. No. Oh, um, is it French? It is not. But we have done it for the podcast. Oh, oh Colonel Blimp. Yep. Uh, the third film is uh, uh, cool. It's uh, it's pretty long. The third film has more main characters than any other film. It's a mad, 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 mad world. No. Uh, the Emoji movie. No. Uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. No. Nope. Not long enough. Um, uh, shortcuts. No. Nashville? Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. This film was eventually a paid homage in a Top Gear special. The Italian job? No. Um, what would they do a special about? Like four lions? I don't know. <laughs> Did they go... And do a terrorist bombing. Um. <laughs> uh, no, so th- th- this this is not a uh, it's not really a car based movie. Okay, oh. but 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 but, uh, but but this episode, this Top Gear special was uh, was famous for uh, for uh, for for a uh, incredibly racist joke that Jeremy Clarkson uh, told. Is it, it around the world in eighty days? No, uh, but it is something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or like out of effort? No, no, no. Uh, um. Oh, bridge over the river. Kwai. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you, um, do you do you do you want to save a joke that Jeremy Clarkson made? Yeah. I say? just said it. We cut it from the podcast. No, that's probably, probably sensible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did say it though. Yeah, I did. He really, say- took great pleasure in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, yeah, actually, that makes me better. We say you for said it, but with a grimace on his face. Oh, he hated it. He hated saying it. Yeah, I was like, oh, guys, oh, so meet Joe Black. Yeah, okay, but first, Finn. So the thing we've learned about your experience in the afterlife yeah. of what the afterlife is like. It sounds quite a lot like that out of these two films, Meet Joe Black is the one that's accurate. Would you say yeah. that's true? Well, I, I, have, I have not had a lot of time yet to, uh, to, uh, to try and like, uh, uh, to, to, to try and seduce a pottery salesman. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'm sure one of these days I'll be able to, I'll be able to get to that. Um, so what have you done 
that has that has confirmed for you that Meet Joe Black is the the key view to have. Well, because as I said, there are tons of uh, mildly attractive white people up here with hair curtains. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was uh, I, I was uh, I, I was killed while uh, while walking away from from meeting a woman in a in a coffee shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. As, uh, as you said, yeah. yeah. At, at uh, we we should address. Uh, if everyone up here is just uh, incredibly awkward and stilted at all points, and uh, and peanut butter does not exist. I but like none of that. All of that makes a lot of sense to me. It's just the fact that um, in the afterlife, mm. that would like as a story of you telling me that like obviously when you died. You left a coffee shop, you looked back at the woman, then she looked at you, and then, but you kept missing each other and you did it like five to ten times. Yeah. Uh, like, like way more times than you'd expect. And like, even if you know the meme, like that kind of makes sense in a like life is weird way. Mm. But in a film, that seems like dereliction of duty is occurring on almost all sides. Um, uh, which is what I would call. That would be my logline for Meet Joe Black, mm-hmm. um, which is a film with a very good Tony Hopkins, Sir Tony Hopkins performance. Yeah, he's 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 killing it, and uh, nothing else like ever at all. I mean, it. I mean, so I'll, I'd say for a film to have nothing, it needs to make me have like no response to it. But this film made me feel insane. I which. Not many films can do. Yeah, it is. It is. It must be a lot like being dead. Yeah. Well, watching this, this I'd say there's also like, there's, there's also like a couple of like okay to pretty good scenes in this. Go on. Like there's one scene where, where Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins have to do like a weird improv bit. And yeah, but that's good because it is like, that is good because the scene, because you're like, it's good because at least the scene is being ridiculous yeah. while it's being ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and, uh, yeah. And, and cause I, I, I think the way that Anthony Hopkins plays that scene is, is so funny. Well, because he is like, this is a film about a 65 year old man who's face. A, it's about to be his 65th birthday. He's yeah. a media mogul. He's Murdoch. He's succession. Uh, uh, and he has a, a heart attack and uh, the vision of death uh, in the form of, Brad Pitt, uh, uh, taking the body of uh, a guy whose who, who's, who's name of credits is a he, like handsome man in coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was hitting on uh, on on his daughter on Susan? A, on his daughter, yeah. On play, uh, played by Clea Forlani from Mallrats from the nineties. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. She, hey, if you're watching NCIS, sorry, no. I was, I was thinking of Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is face with the vision of death and the body of Brad Pitt, who was playing guy in coffee shop, but, but death has taken that man's form. Yeah. Uh, oh, we should briefly take a moment to talk about, cause yeah, there's the long scene as we've discussed now, like three or four times at length and then looking back at each other. Yeah. And then he gets hit by a car and, and is turned into a 1998 CGI rag doll. It looks like yeah. something from Cur- demolition Cur- derby Cur- on PlayStation one. Yeah. Courtesy of industrial light and magic. So like this scene when it happened, obviously I know this scene from it being like a meme on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So I I had always thought that this scene of Brad Pitt and and Claire Forlani awkwardly saying goodbye to each other and then both walking off in different directions and then one of them turns and looks back at the other one and then 
and then turns around, keeps walking, and then yeah. the other one turns around and looks back, and yeah, for for, for like two minutes of them just yeah yeah, uh, literally a million years. Yeah. We're we're still watching it yeah. now. I'm Which, sure there's a ten hour version on YouTube. And, and, and then and then that ends with Brad Pitt walking into the street. Turning around one more time and then getting hit by two cars. He gets hit by one car coming in from coming in from a left of screen, which which like like which which shoots up up into the air, where he gets hit by a car coming in from a right of screen. And uh I mean it's great, it's a magical moment in cinema. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I I had always thought that that was the end of the film. Cause I I, I, what, what do you do with a movie after that? And, uh, and, it, and it turns out uh, Martin Bruce uh, had the same problem. Uh, and otherwise, there's nowhere to go after that. An otherwise serious movie, no less. Yes. Let's, let's, a, a very serious movie. Well, that, but anyway, uh, so Hopkins, well, let me, I just yeah, want to finish yeah. uh, the, 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 so we don't get too lost. Well, I, in I the, just want to say like that, that, that scene being in the first 10 minutes is the biggest twist I've seen in a movie since open windows. <laughs> um, I, I, and uh, yeah, Hopkins is playing this character who is facing his death and literally interacting with death while making this big decision about both himself and his family. And the like future of, of his company and what his company stands for. And, and, and as much as that, that's all kind of like boring shit, and it's mm. like boring 90s film business shit. I mean, but, 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 but the like, the, 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 like, business stuff is the most interesting part of the film. I know, but it... Because it, it's got the most Anthony Hopkins in it. And, and there's a two-hour cut of this film for mm. TV distribution, which cuts all that stuff, which is just like, imagine, like... Yeah. It would probably feel long- all filler, it, it, no it would, killer. It would probably feel longer than the three-hour cut. I cannot comprehend that, but that's simply because I've lived in a world where I've seen the three-hour cut. But Hopkins is playing the abject kind of like material reality of that at all times mm. in a way that I find incredibly charming and yeah. compelling. And, and when he like this first scene, he you know there's a his dinner party and he has to go meet death who's at the door. Um, and they go into like, because his, it's a twilight zone episode. Yeah, but it would be good as yeah, a twilight yeah, zone yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it's good as um, a slightly more lighthearted film, which is what I understand. Death takes a holiday is, which is adapting this from, yeah, yeah. um, which is adapted from a play that I, I think that would kind of make sense, you know? Yeah. Um, or, or like the sad man issue, the sound of her wings. Yeah. Um, and he, there's the scene in, in Anthony Hopkins office, where, which has, there's a great shot. Good one. Breast. Maybe I'm a breast man. Um, call me Hooters cause I'm obsessed with breast. <laughs> uh, have, okay. Uh, have, so there, 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 there was one time when I was, uh, I was in Australia with a bunch of my, with, I was in Australia with a bunch of my friends. We, we, we're, we're on a road trip. We have, we have, we're having an okay time. There's, there's, no, we're having a good time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then yeah. uh, uh, is reacting because I'm covering my face in horror mm -hmm. at the story that inevitably involves him going to a Hooters. So the <laughs> the last place we went to on, on our trip was the Gold Coast. Yeah, we'd like rented a big nice house like near the beach we all stayed in. Yeah, and uh, for like second or third day, we all decided we would go down to the beach. And there, there, there was like a surfboard hanging up in the, in the garage. So my, my, my friend Eric took the surfboard and he was like, I'm going to figure out how, to, how surfing works. And so we, we all went down to the beach and we were all swimming except for one of my friends who was called Bradley. 
Because yeah. Bradley uh, does not know how to swim. Bradley Whitford, yeah. yeah. Bradley uh, can't swim and would go like knee deep in the water and that, and that's about it. Yeah. After like an hour or so of the beach, we all looked around and we realized uh, we can't see Bradley. Bradley's d- disappeared. Oh, uh, so you assumed he was dead? Uh, they, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Uh, you assumed they were dead. Yeah, we, we were like, oh, Bradley. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I, thought I misunderstood what pronoun you were correcting. And yeah. I was like, anyway. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so we assumed that Bradley had uh, gone in the water when we were looking and had drowned or had, like, walked off down the beach and disappeared. And so we, we were we were running up and down the beach. We were, like, swimming around in the water. We tried to call their cell phone. We went back to the house to look for them. Bradley was nowhere to be found. Yeah. And... Th- th- this this went on for a couple of hours, and we we we. This were, sounds like a genuinely stressful oh, situation. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We, we we were we were we were freaking out. We had no idea where Bradley had gone, and then we we like one last time we we decided to call we decided to call their phone, and uh, they they finally picked up, and. We we're like, where, where, where the fuck are you? What's happened? And they're like, blah, 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 blah. and and no. and and Bradley said. Oh, uh, I, I got bored, so I'm in Hooters now. <laughs> and they, they just left without telling us where they'd gone. And they, they just fucked off to, to go to Hooters. Uh, so that's the the one acceptable... Okay, but... Okay. Okay. That story, better use, and its inclusion of Hooters, better use of breast than, than meet Joe Black. Um... Uh, so yeah, he's. Oh, me- I, 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 I should say on, on the topic of Martin Breast, I, I like he. I, I've I've only seen one other of his films, yeah, which is Midnight Run, which is a movie I genuinely love. I think that 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 movie is so much fun. It has two of it has two like fantastically performances. It is, it, it's like it is a classic of eighties like buddy comedy action nonsense. It's great. Go go watch Midnight Run. No. <laughs> Make me. So, uh, Sir Tony uh, um, is in his office and, and Brad Pitt is in there. He's behind this cool piece of glass that turns him into blobs. I like mm. that shot. Um, but then Brad Pitt comes out and is like, I am the blah, blah. I, I, I think he just says, I am dear. Oh, no, there's a big build-up, too, because yeah, yeah. he doesn't say, he, he, say, he says it without saying, I am death, because then it gets to this scene where Brad Pitt is real close to him and is like, who am I? Say my name, oh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Anthony Hopkins, and you get what you alternate between is you get you have a single of Brad Pitt looking like two, 1998 Brad Pitt with his pouty lips and his perfect skin, and like he's an attractive man, but there is but, but like but like the, 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 this, this is not what I want my Brad Pitt to look like. Well, and there's a sense of him being like he looks like a dumb surfer of being yeah. like there's a sense of like nothing going on yeah, between yeah. the no, ears. He, 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 he looks like a handsome guy, but he also looks like kind of a fucking dork. Yeah. And like he, he's in this like shitty suit with his silly hair. And, and then you cut and the scene was like, say it, say my name. And you cut to Anthony Hopkins and he says death and his, like his eyes, there's tears welling on the edge of his eyes. And he is playing the pure ecstatic emotion of of, of of realizing that your that your time on earth is up and and you, and you are talking to some sort of celestial death. being and he has found the true emotional reality of something that cannot happen yes and is playing it and you're, you're like I can understand why maybe people think this is good even though it is but then he's like 
I will say it, say it again. Mm. And it's just, it's full of shit yeah. like that. And so I, I've seen, a, a, I've, I've seen three Anthony Hopkins performances this year. Yeah. I've, I've, I, I, I rewatched Silence of the Lambs in the theater for the first time. Yeah. In, incredible. What like, a film. What, 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 one of, one of, one of the great performances. Yeah. I saw, I saw The Father. Incredible. Oh, like, like whether you like, I think there's a good debate to be had about the whole of that film and yeah. what it's doing, but his performance in it, I think, is unimpeachable. Yeah, I think it is. It is one of the all-time great film performances. Yeah, uh, yes. And and then and then this, which is a bad movie, which he is just like kind of, which he is fantastic in. Well, and like it, it brings to like so much of the joy of Hannibal Lecter is that like him and, and as, as, as Hannibal in silence is being like, I get, okay, Demi, Johnny, you are making a film that is about kind of the methodical element of the mundane and, and, and the hidden systems of power within that. Can I be your single green chili on top of that delicious meal yeah can i be the fucked up crazy thing and and and, but he plays that entirely consistently he builds this grand guignol vampire hannibal lecter Mm. mincing and whispering and And, staring like a hypnotist and he plays that character entirely true to that yes. logic and and like that like and and that performance is so interesting existing inside a demi film because demi is like so interested in like how humans relate to each other what? and empathy and and having someone and having this character plays like with zero empathy for others in, yep. inside one of his films feels like wrong like there are a million things that make that film genuinely good uh which it is and I, I understand there is a debate about it's message about tra- anyway about about mm. about trans people, but I'd, I believe as a cis person that it does enough that we can still discuss it. But that's still an mm. asterisk. Anywho, um, it is kind of encapsulated in Jonathan Demi understanding that you can get away with seven minute long scenes of dialogue if you have Anthony Hopkins as a vampire and Jodie Foster as like a uh, a. Uh, uh, a strong, astute FBI agent staring into a camera, yeah. like in alternate takes, and knowing that that mix of energies would work. But it is like, with yeah, Hopkins, and he applies that to all of his performances. And in as much as that, like in Thor, he's just hanging out and sleeping and having a good time. Yeah. Um, but like, he's still commits to that reality you know mm. um and yeah, to and, see and, that even in this it, it, that can work even if nothing else does and yeah, i do and, not and, think anything else and, does. and 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 like and if brad pitt had had been giving a performance that could play off of that, that could play off hopkins performance in the way that jodie foster's did then i think this could be a this movie could be at least like really fun if if, if not like uh, yeah. Good ever because of uh, the screenplay. Yeah, no, we'll get to the screenplay. Um, uh, but like Pitt's performance in this is because I think all of his impulses are right. Yeah, I don't think that Brad Pitt should be this character. No, I, no, no. I think yeah, he, yeah. he is. He is the wrong actor for it. He, he is. He is doing. Yeah, he is doing the best that he can. Yeah, and, and, but it, it, this is a case of miscasting rather than bad acting. Yeah, and w- it just shifts the responsibility. Yeah, he is playing this character as he needs to be able to be both genuinely 
sinister and 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 like scary and otherworldly, but also he he's asked to play a sort of like n- like naive childish character who is just meeting the world for the first time, and, and it is juxtaposed, and, and, and he also needs to be sexy, yeah, and like I, I think asked to play any any one of those, Brad Pitt can do. Brad Pitt yeah, can do yeah, all yeah. of those things, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he has been great at playing all of those things in movies before, I, and, but, and the 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 relief that the past twenty two years have given this film uh, is that we have seen that Brad Pitt is a good actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, we, we, in, in had, other films. We've had the Oceans movies. We've had Killing Them Softly. Yeah. We, 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 we've, we've had, like, even though you don't like Ad Astra, I'd say he is good in that movie. Yeah, no, like, Ad, my, my issue with Ad Astra is, A, I think it is funny at this point to just be very angry about Ad Astra, a film <laughs> no one cares about. Um, but also uh, the... the that it is a, it is a philosophical like that is I just think that that is a film of just a guy who needs to go to therapy and like mm-hmm. it just seems crazy to work out your dad issues in space as opposed but, to you but know he, he's already worked me out of the Amazon but yeah no pres- like make another you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. right it's it's not that it's bad like it's a higher level complaint than any part of it being bad yeah but yeah anyway Brad Pitt. His attractiveness obviously makes him otherworldly, mm. but Brest is shooting this film in such a resiliently opulent style, which now looks televisual. Mm. But that's because this is what films looked like for 20 years, and then the innovation and, of... And, and especially what, like, awards films looked like. Yeah, and, and the innovation of The West Wing was bringing that look to TV. And so now, look, looking at Meet Joe Blake, it looks like TV in the modern mm. day. Um, everyone is glamorously lit. And that means that Brad Pitt is still attractive, but he's opposite Claire Fulani, who is as attractive as him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so you don't get anything out of that. And you also don't get anything out of, so there's not, the sense of otherworldliness needs to come from his performance. Mm. And he chooses to go so muted and so quiet. This film, the reason this film is three hours long is because it is full of pauses. Yeah, if everyone whispers and then pauses and then whispers and then pauses and then whispers while pausing. And in a way that is uh, like, Fucking pointless. Yeah, like like there are tons of good films with with really good whispering and really good pauses, and this is this is this uses both whispering and pausing badly. Well, because it's perpetual. Yeah, and that because it genuinely feels like every scene and every line is preceded and followed by a meaningful mm. pause and whispered. Like yeah. genuinely, it feels like every line, and like maybe it's only oh. Uh, half of them, but it is like there's so much shoe leather in this film, uh, and that combined with the fact that that we we saw a film at Five Dollar Wednesday called Lapsus, yes, um, which is a, a, a small, a, like I think a couple of million dollars, maybe mm. half a million dollars uh, film, uh, which is a bunch of really interesting ideas. It would be a great Twilight Zone episode, but it has one major issue, and what is that, Finn? I'm not sure I could that get it down to one. They keep explaining it like yeah, the whole yeah. the whole of that film is that film has four plot points and it breaks them into four acts. By the first act is people working out 
or not working out the first plot point and then telling each other. The second plot point is something you're raised and told and then all the characters do is talk about it. It Mm. treats the audience like they're idiots. It's genuinely like information in that film is repeated so much it goes beyond like media made for preschoolers. There was a point in the movie where they had already done this this one scene where where a piece of information is given out. They'd already done the scene maybe five times. I mean, you've had to get up and go to the bathroom. And, 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 and when you came back, I had the great pleasure of being able to tell him, Eufa, they, they did the scene again. <laughs> and, it, and then and, they did it like maybe once or twice again after that. And, 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 and far beyond the point that you have worked it out. Yeah. Like, a, and that is what Meet Joe Black is like. Meet Joe Black... Everything, like, the scenario suggests something to you as an audience member. You're like, oh, maybe. Like, this film is 90% better if they never call him death. If you, like, play out that scene and say, say my name, and he's like, I can't. And, like, so you know, but it's not said. It's it's the masturbation episode of Seinfeld. but But, like, every scene is, like, Marsha Gay Harden's plot, is she's setting up his 65th birthday yeah, party. Yeah, she, she, she's uh, Anthony Hopkins' older daughter and Claire Foyer. Yeah. Claire Fulani is his younger daughter. And apart from one wretched, you know, emotional breakdown scene scene, all she gets to do is repeat, repeat, there is a party, I am planning the party. You don't care enough. Yeah, and it is just like over and over and over again, yeah. slowly for three hours. Um, the the thing I kept saying to you in different ways is that Meet Joe Black, the script especially, and, and not, even if not like the scene to scene writing of the script, but the amount of repetition, the 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 lack of build, the yeah. the the inability, the the fact that it looks so expensive and so cheap at the same time, are all problems that like the room and birdemic have. Yeah. And the only difference is that this is being done by professionals. Um, and it is like, if you saw the script with the camera crew, the room had and the cast, the room had it, people would laugh, you know, mm. it would be hysterical. Yeah. But because people know how to light shots and, and like Brad Pitt knows how to be on camera and you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. It just ends up feeling mind bending. Like it feels like mania because it is, it is like if you went to the Savoy and asked for a sandwich and they brought, and they punched you in the face. <laughs> well, no. And, and they brought you like a McDonald's cheeseburger and you're like, okay, I'm in the Savoy, but I kind of get it. And you open it and like the cheese was maggots. <laughs> and you're like, I kind of understand how this is occurring. <laughs> But then you realize that like the bread is fudge and you're like, this is all still, this all makes sense, but mm. what is happening? And then you realize, and then you realize that the meat patty is your own hand <laughs> yeah, and, and you're in an insane asylum and you're just chewing on your own hand. And you keep being like, what is this? And the waiter just keeps going, you asked for a burger, sir. And you're, just, you're like, I know, I know it's not a lie. <laughs> I just can't. It, it's like, the, as I told you, the, books of acting exercises and audition monologues for teens yeah it just it it is so it uh, i i i i can remember so few of these specifics of scenes <laughs> yeah, but it was three hours and yeah. we watched all of yeah. it but 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 like uh yeah I, I i i cannot remember what scenes made me have this reaction but 
but like seven or eight times throughout the movie, I would just start rocking back and like back and forth, just being like, I don't know what's fucking going on with this. When I say I felt like I was going insane, that is not an exaggeration. That's what that's what it felt like to me. There's a real sense of unease in this film. Yeah, there's a real sense of. The thing is, is that it's a similar sense of unease that you get in Ugetsu. Yeah. Except there it is clearly intentional. And here you're like, I don't fucking, who fucking knows? Yeah. If it'd gone more into like the purposeful unease of it, that would have been good. But at least, like, at least that's a take. But it, yeah, it just so clearly is an, and it, yeah. and it means, it, and, and, and the to- thing they end up doing with a movie is, is like, Turning it into some sort of like swooning romance, which is that's a fine idea. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, it's, no, sure. like there's a way to do it. Good. It's not. It's not empirically a bad idea, but it is the most obvious idea. Yeah, but it, this is a like seventy million dollar film starring Brad Pitt. You yeah. know, directed by Martin Brest. They're not gonna. You know, there's a certain amount that that you gotta give. You know, something's gotta give to to coin a phrase. And like that's all best encapsulated in Brad Pitt. Like Brad Pitt's performance ends up by being so muted because he's trying to play like I am experiencing the world for the first time. Yeah. So he goes so small, and, and so his threat and childlike wonder both are in this at the same kind of level. And what that ends up seeming like is like a bizarre evil baby. Yeah. It, it, who is irritating, but most importantly, like funny. And so it is like like the scene where like the he's scene like, where he eats peanut butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is supposed to be, I guess, like charming. weird and charming. Yeah. But you are just like, what is? If like, this person was in my house, I would have them arrested and shot. And and I and that is both kind of the point, but also like, just just what the fuck? Yeah. Like, and, and, lock, lock the gates. I think the funny, the funnest thing we did was pitch other people who could play this mm. role. And I'm like, my, the one I love most because it breaks my heart, of course, is Philip. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman would kill this. Mm. I think it's a great Jack Black role. Janelle Monet, you know, yeah. come on, like someone who, where, where they can access another world, where they can heighten themselves instead of already being heightened. Oh yeah, what is the f- sorry? What are your thoughts on Pitt's performance? It's uh, the Pitt's shite or sound of his performance. Yeah, I mean it's it's shite. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's don't worry, he's not listening. Brett, come on, Brett. But yeah, no, I. This is what happens when you're mean to Jen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, no, it, it's it's a it's it's one of the most bizarre performances I've ever seen in a major film. Which like and and like the the yeah. absurdity of it is exciting at certain points. We're like, I, yeah, I, I'm they, I, I'm never gonna see any other actor this big give a performance this fucking weird in a movie this expensive maybe ever again. And like, there would da- like there is uh, one of the B plots is that that Claire Filani is 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 a doctor. Mm. Um, oh yeah, okay. So this, yes, this, this, okay. So yeah, you talk about yeah, that. So there's a scene where 
Yeah, so she is a doctor and he goes to the hospital where she works to visit her. And while the two of them are talking, a mid-twenties Jamaican woman come, uh, comes over with her mother, who is an elderly Jamaican woman, uh, in yeah. a wheelchair. I'm sorry, I will, I'll go by the ca- names in the cast list. Right. It's oh, uh, young Jamaican woman and old Jamaican yes. woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. And uh, so... Uh, so, Great respect for like the sixth and seventh leads of the film. Kind of, yeah. yeah. No, like, yeah. yeah. This young Jamaican woman uh, like calls up to Claire Forlani and says like, hey, like stop talking to him. Come look out of her mother. She's way sicker than that guy. Yeah. And uh, understandable. Yeah, very, very sensible. And so Claire Fulani goes over and starts uh, starts willing uh, uh, starts willing the, the, this elderly woman uh, to uh, to uh, to to like a uh, to, to to a room mm. and 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 then when when. When this elderly Jamaican woman looks at Brad Pitt, yeah, she she starts talking about how like, oh, he's evil. He's there's yeah. something up with him. He's he's the devil or whatever. Yeah, and and then it keeps cutting back to Brad Pitt just staring at her. Yeah, just he, like it looks like he's trying to kill her with with eye beams. Yeah. Then Claire Fulani leaves this woman with Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and she goes with the daughter to get the woman like checked into the hospital. Yeah, and while the two of them are together. Uh, Brad Pitt starts talking to her in uh, in in like Jamaican patois. Yeah, and uh, uh, and, 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 yeah, it is. It's like Adrian Brody on SNL. It is. It is so weird and uncomfortable. And, and like, I I don't think there is anything necessarily wrong with this idea of, of like. It is. It's like the. I think. Yeah. The, no. No. The idea, yeah. even as scripted, is fine. It is. It, there is just some. Is like. Uh, yeah, it is just the fact that, yeah, like, he, he, hearing Jamaican patois coming out of Brad Pitt's mouth is always going to, like, is always going to uh, make you uncomfortable. And, but yeah, I like the, the, the like, idea of the scene where, like, if, if every other time that, that Brad Pitt as deaf has been around people, he has been super awkward yeah. and uncomfortable and he's just kind of weirding everyone out. Yeah. And then he meets this woman who is yeah. in a lot of pain and she is dying. And and he and he talks to her in her language, yeah, and and is able to like make a real connection with her, and like that 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 is a very good idea for a scene. And it sounds like sweet and good, yes. you know, like yeah, and yeah, and and I, I was I was saying to you for while we were watching it, if there had been another scene before this of he is talking to to another person who's dying who is. Who is like French or German, yeah. and he's and he speaks to them in their language and makes them feel safe and at home. Yeah, then doing the scene where he's speaking patois afterwards would work better. Probably wouldn't work fully, but it, but it, w- it would it would feel less uncomfortable. Okay, my pitch in the room mm. is that you have him do a scene where he sees a homeless man on right, the street yes, yes. who uh, who who who's German, yeah, of. of Spanish and mm. he speaks to him uh, in, in Spanish, but he's all awkward because he's still deaf, you know, mm. um, or, or he's still getting used to it or whatever. Yeah. And it's when he starts speaking in the the patois <laughs> to the Jamaican woman that like the changes his comfort in the situation. It's still it's still not great. No, no, it's still the, the, yeah. The, 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 there is always going to be a weird tension to 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 that. Yeah, in a way that the film like the the the, the film does not want you to feel like like there is an uncomfortable racial tension to <laughs> to Brad Pitt speaking in patois to a to a to a black woman. But they're just. Yeah. Is mate? Yes. Oh yeah, no, I know, I, I know, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's just so 
and and it's like multiple, like it's an arc. Yeah, is no, the he, thing to stress. Yeah, like 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 forty five minutes or an hour later in the film, he comes back to the hospital and he sees her again, and he starts talking to her in patois again, and. And, and like it, it is supposed to be it's this, just not it, Chief. Yeah, like it is. It is. It, it is. It's, it is supposed to be this like big emotional scene where he is like helping guide this dying woman into the afterlife and helping her accept death. But but he is but he is also doing it while sounding like a racist. And <laughs> and there's the bit where I'm like, even within this format, like dance. Philip Seymour Hoffman would kill that scene. <laughs> like, you know, like he would find a way to give a logic to that. Yeah. But it is just so, like, that that stuff was shot and it's, cause it's so condescending. Yeah. It, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't, it, I don't even think it's like a modern viewpoint thing, you know, that we're looking at it from now and it, into the past. It is like, no, even at the, they, yeah. They had edits. They had screenings of it. Like they and they left that. It's insane. That's why this film feels crazy hmm. because, like, that's the biggest of those choices. Right, yeah, yeah. But it seems like every single choice in the film, you're like that, but that, but like that's the that's hmm. the thing. Okay, okay, that though, that all right, but that hmm. I but, yeah. but 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 you know what. Uh, this this movie made a shitload of money, mainly overseas. Though. Yes, yeah. and, and I have a theory on that. And uh, like, yeah, but like, th- this movie made a lot of money. This, this was a follow up to a like multi Academy Award winner, and then Martin Brest's film after this is the one that like ended his career. His film after this is is of course Gili, yeah, Gili, yeah, with Benefer. Yeah, I lo- I love that film. I've never seen it. No, never. By the end of this, we will. Uh, uh, will- but I've seen. Jersey Girl, the prequel. No, never postquel. <laughs> the sequel. That's what it's called. No, postquel. Got it first time. Um, it's just, it's so bad. <laughs> like, and it is. It's bad in a ways. Okay, so the plot. So uh, there's a guy, media mogul, trying to sell his media empire. It's his sixty fifth birthday. They're throwing a party. Um, his daughter is dating one of the guys who works at his yeah, company. Yeah, Drew. Um, Jeffrey Tambor is also there. Marsha Gay Harden um, is is setting up the party. Mm. Uh, there, he talks to his daughter. Is like, "Are you in love with this guy?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "No, I want you to feel big, proper love." Feels pain in his chest. Um, she meets. Brad Pitt in a cafe. They, they, they have an instant connection. They they kind of fall in love. Uh, uh, but he walks and is hit by cars. Then and his body is possessed by the Grim Reaper. And then at between one of three to twelve <laughs> dinners that's in this film, uh, um, he he comes to the door. He goes there and, and they have this meeting. I'm death. You do, you have a heart attack. You're gonna die soon. <laughs> But I want to see what life is like. I took the guy who was who was hanging out with Claire Fulani's appearance, no. uh, and he's like, "This is Joe Black," and, and he, they they cause a little trouble at uh, the company. They don't want them. They 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 do want to sell, but then they don't want to sell, mm. and blah blah blah. Um, it turns out the guy who Claire Fulani was dating. 
has set the whole thing up to to make lot to destroy the company and make lots yeah. of money. Um, uh, and Claire Fulani and Brad Pitt are falling in love even more, and and then they they uh, uh, they fuck on a pool chair. Uh, like, like that, like that scene has the like is is has incredible nineties aesthetic. Yeah, um, them just cut like nineties aesthetic, like waving sheets in the wind film sex. Yeah, and, in and, a way and, that I quite appreciate. Yeah, and there's a lot of like close-ups of Brad Pitt making a six face. For- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in a way that is a little strange. I mean, a little. Yeah, no, like, like in, in, in that scene especially, he feels like he is playing a child. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, he absolutely. Yeah, he, he, in that scene, he feels like he's big. That scene is also in big, Yes, though. it is. <laughs> God. Another perfect movie. No mistakes. Just what the fuck is... <laughs> guys? Ah. What the fuck is going on out there? Um, and, it's a crazy world. Uh, but they they do a bluff. Uh, they stop the the bad business deal. Yeah, that's, they that's, throw that's, the party. That's where the weird improv scene is. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, no, he's. It's a callback to you know. There's only two things in the world: death and taxes. And there's a whole five to ten minute sequence of like Brad Pitt being like death and taxes. And the guy yeah, like, you, yes, have you never heard the phrase death and taxes before? And he's like, oh, it's just. It's just a weird combination. Yeah, yeah, and, and so taxes. he, it seems like he's going to reveal that he's death, but he reveals he's a tax man, ha huh? And then, and then, the, and, yeah, and Anthony Hopkins has to like play along with the fact, with the idea that Brad Pitt is actually an IRS agent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, then, I, I like that scene. And then they throw the party. Anthony Hopkins dies. Um, Brad Pitt gets his becomes. Yeah, like death, de- de- like uh, leaves his body, yeah. and and he is back to being the Brad Pitt from the beginning of the movie, and yeah, and he kind of reconnects with Claire Forlani, and she realizes kind of like, like kind of what's going on, and but, she just spends quite a lot of time staring at him with like strong like like but kind but of a scowl, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's a real scene, like one of the great failures of this film. Is that it doesn't end with Claire Fulani being like, no, but what, but what the fuck? Yeah, re- and really? Also that they definitely need to make a sequel because the sequel will be about how her and her new boyfriend engineered her father's killing. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that's how so, it looks from the outside. Yes. We know there are people trying to buy the company. So, because uh, Anthony Hopkins and uh, so at, at, the, at the party, uh, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt. Uh, like w- walks off and he sits on like he he sits on a, like a bench away from the party. Yeah. I mean, when Anthony Hopkins uh, decides, you know, I've had one last dance with my daughter. It's it's time to it's time to die now. Yeah. He he walks out to his bench and and sits with Brad Pitt. At one point, he delivers uh, by far the best line of a movie, which the movie should have ended on. Yeah. And then there's another ten minutes after that. But uh, yeah. But uh, so he, he's he's telling. Joe Black, like, oh, you know, I've never heard my daughter talk about a man the way she talked about you. I'm glad that she loves you so much or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then Brad Pitt starts being like, you know, you're a, you're a great guy as well. I mean, Anthony Hopkins says to him, stop blowing smoke up my ass. You'll ruin my autopsy. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Great he, line. He, he delivers it perfectly. Yeah. 
uh, makes you care about a billionaire media mogul. Yeah. And then the movie keeps fucking. So yeah. So then 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 they then they just start saying things that were already obvious from the performances. But that's that, that you're that's describing every yeah. scene of the film. Yeah. They they, they have this this perfect final line, and then he starts saying like. Oh, it's hard to leave us all behind, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's really nice being alive. Yeah. But, but then the two of them like walk off over a bridge together, and then that's where Claire Forlani down at the party sees them yeah. walking away. Yeah, yeah. And she she runs up to try and catch them, and when when she gets to the foot of the bridge, we see Brad Pitt walking back over, and and now he's now he's himself again. Yeah. And but all you can think about is. Anthony Hopkins' body is just on the other side of that bridge. Uh, my my and, pitch was that it's... A... And, and, and so everyone at this party, if they just turned around, <laughs> they saw Claire Forlani's new boyfriend walk across the bridge with Anthony Hopkins and then walk back alone yeah. with his fucking dead body on the other side. And so yeah, every, everyone, everyone knows that these two are on it, they killed him. Yeah, and then they talked for a very long time. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> fucked. They're going to jail. <laughs> In my head, <laughs> he was struck by lightning, and Claire Fulani goes over that bridge. He's, a Stan- he's, just, he's just convulsing on the ground. <laughs> he's a Stan Winston, horrific body monster. He's, he's half organs, and he's like, he told me it would not hurt, kill me. <laughs> That's how you make. Oh God! Yeah, all, all all you go over the bridge, and there are just there are just Anthony Hopkins shoes. There was smoke coming out of them. <laughs> it's just and yeah, like and, you, and, listen, and, and then that's why the sequel is called Meet Joe Black Two: The Rise of Drew. <laughs> but look at listen to how much plot that is. That's not even ninety minutes no. of plot. That is like an episode of a. That is the pilot of a sitcom. Yes. <laughs> and it lasts for three and like there are beautiful and meditative films that that luxuriate in slowness yeah and have very little plot this is not yeah. one of like, those i i'm a, I'm a big fan of love diaz films yeah who is like a filipino slow cinema director yeah. all of his films have more maybe 25 minutes of plot and they're all uh three and a half to ten hours long <laughs> yeah and but but you yeah, like that like but his his films establish such an incredible mood, and all the images are so perfectly composed. And there is there is such a like strong thematic sense of what he is trying to do by making everything so slow that that they work. And and even though, and and like even though films don't work on me the same way that uh, they do on a lot of people, where I feel like I'm inside the film. Yeah. I, I still I, I can still enjoy watching a like five hour long movie. But like none of those things come together in this movie. Well and it's not trying to be like part of the the shoe leather of dialogue mm. of everything being whispered and then having a pause after it is that it's kind of acting like everything has a point. Like yeah. it has plot when it simply does n- like it is acting like it can like it is filling the time with incident yeah no it's like corporate espionage plot a1 mm. and supernatural being gets incarnated in a human body plot a1 and you just do them at the same time and it it's shite it's it's really shite it's shite is what i'm saying um it, 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 it it's it's only real saving grace is anthony hopkins who is fantastic and yeah, and even then, like, you have to be quite 
Yeah. Like he is a but it's also, yeah, it's very much a like good despite it yes. performance, yes. you know? Um, let me I so I'm yeah, you've said shite, I've said shite. Uh luckily but, but like, this is a movie that like a lot of people like. But like after we watched Lapsus, I, I went and read the Letterboxd reviews. And that movie has a three point three average on Letterboxd and and it has so many positive reviews and it is the first time like seeing it, it, it's it's my first time experiencing the sort of thing that a lot of the people who write the negative reviews that we read on the show are feeling where they watch like blue velvet and they feel like they're going insane because it's the biggest piece of shit and yeah. everyone else loves it and and like that's how i felt reading the reviews of lapses where people were like oh this is a super interesting su- science fiction movie with like a lot of really a lot of really good ideas and all all the, the, the direction and what a great lead performance from dean imperial and you're like no not no none of that is true you're lying to me and it's like no i can understand that with lapsus i can understand how people who don't see many films would see lapsus and think it was good um and it's not bad it just is it, it is just absolutely like bore like yeah it's it's i thought it was like the most shocking thing about that film is that i thought it was well a hundred thousand dollar first feature yeah and it's neither of those okay finn yes would you like to hear a letterboxed review by someone who gave this film five stars i'd love to i gotta tell you a lot of five star reviews of this film talk about both crying and peanut butter uh this only contains one of those uh, this is by Emma Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Meet Joe Black. This movie is a beautiful, bittersweet masterpiece. And there's this one part of a violin song that plays through the whole movie, but mostly during the really emotional parts. And it just makes me sob every time I hear it. This 100% has to be my new favorite movie and probably will be for a while. But watching this movie made me feel sad because I don't think any movie can ever be better than how this movie made me feel. Which, like, some of the bad reviews we read is like, I disagree with that, Mm. but that captures incredibly well what the experience of seeing a good film is like. Yeah. You know? And, like, that's the experience that this film wants you to be having. Yeah, and it's just... And, like, I don't understand how it worked for this person, but it's nice that it did, I guess. And it's not... It's so... It's, like, both so and not far off, Mm. you know? Like, this kind of a plot, has occurred many times. Yeah. But it's not, yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, It's not like bad, bad as an idea. It's not baked into its core. Yeah. Um, do you want to guess Emma Rizzo's top four? Sure thing. Okay. Uh, is one of them Meet Joe Black? No. Ah, uh, yeah, I would say there aren't any real equivalents to it here either. Uh, one is, uh, a part of a series. It's the first in a short series. Uh, part of a series, first in a short series. Short series. Finite series. Like how short is the series? Two films. Two films. Uh. 2003. It's the first one. Is, Is it Happy Feet? No, 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 no. I mean, with this director, it could be called Happy Feet, but it's not. Uh, is 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 it a 
Is it a movie about dancing? No. Okay. So it's so it's not uh, so it's 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 not a movie directed by John M. Chu. Oh no 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 no! Yeah. I the second most foot focused. Oh, oh, it's it's Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just checking if Linda Cardellini is in she any is of the not. rest of the no, oh, any she, of the other right, films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe so. Um, <clears throat> one eighties uh, big comedy, uh, kind of generational for a lot of people. It's become a bit of an icon. Um, uh, uh, Breakfast Club. No, you're in the right area, though. Uh, am I right director? Yeah, yeah. 16 Candles? No. Uh, Come on, the big one of those, the big hues. Pretty in Pink? Do you want to know who's in the cast? Yeah. Charlie Sheen. Ben Stein. Del Close. Oh, oh, F- F- Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. That, that's, that's one of those I've never seen. Um... Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, you can understand why it was a phenomenon at a time, and also why this doesn't really mm. cross over. Remake, beginning of a franchise. Uh, the, the, there was an attempt to reboot, uh, to, uh, not reboot, kind of continue. Uh, who is in this? Who is down the bottom of this cast list? Because early entries kind of give it mm. away. Um, oh, you got. Scotty Khan. Oh, okay. Is this Ocean's, it's Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> yeah, no, I should have gone further down. Oh, it yeah, is, yeah, yeah, you should have gone way further down for, for, for Ocean's Eleven. Tim Snay. No, well, it's just it gets to Eddie Jameson and um and Shabao Queen. Queen. Mm. And then it's just like people you've never heard of. Rusty Myers. Mm-hmm. Artofa Grace. Yeah. Viola Davis. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Viola's in like David one. David Leach and Shane West. Yeah, Josh Jackson. Oh, of course, in the Holy Mary. Yeah, because in mm. the game at the beginning. Yeah. Uh and so the last one didn't win Best Picture. Ah, oh, too bad. Deserved it. There's mm. <laughs> it, La La Land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I cannot. It seems insane to me. That Meet Joe Black is in the world. Like, it is another one of the films where I'm like, it seems like a dereliction of duty on that many fronts. That film class? Yeah. <laughs> no. That no, it's just like who Because we talked, we were talking about the Ripley films, and we talked about right, how yeah, the yeah. Barry Pepper Ripley film has never leaked in any form. Mm. We don't even know if 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 the Roger Spotswood, Barry Pepper, Ripley film, I think Ripley Underground, which was shot in like 2006 or something, right, yeah. but it's never like a screener has never, like even an offline edit. And I was like, that should be the fate of this. Like Meet Joe Black should be like, hey, did you know that after Scent of a Woman, Martin Brest shot a like three hour epic about about Brad Pitt played death. Anthony Hopkins was in it. Claire okay, Fulani. So, yeah, so that 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 movie's called Ripley Underground. Yeah. Uh, uh, for, uh, uh, so on Letterboxd, uh, three hundred eighty six people, uh, uh, three hundred eighty eight people have logged it. It's got twelve reviews. So like it 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 seems like it is it is out there somewhere. Oh, well, yeah. Last time I looked, let me just quick look on a very. There's a one and a half star review that says uh, should have stayed buried. Oh, so it has come. 
Ripley Underground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a DVD came out at some point. Okay. Um, but it was for a very long time buried. Mm. Like, and that is what Meet Joe Black should be. Meet Joe Black should have one day someone sought, like, the head of Universal or Columbia saw was like, no, we're not releasing this. Yeah. Like, we have to eat the money. We cannot. It damages our whole studio's name for the public to see this. Mm. The only person who comes out of this looking good is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Um, and that's, and it seems crazy that this was, it was, it was given a wide release. Yes. It made money internationally. They wouldn't release John Singleton films overseas, <laughs> but breasts joint in which Brad Pitt, the dude, oh, this is a, a little bit of movie joker coming out there. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and so this was a universal release. Yeah. And then his, uh, his everywhere in the galaxy all at once. Yeah. And so his uh, his his next film, uh, Julie, uh, was not released uh, through Universal. It was released through a company called Revolution Studios. Yeah, yeah. which also uh, did uh, uh, Punch Drunk Love, uh, Thirteen Going on Thirty, Click, Hellboy, which uh, Hellboy? Uh, the the first good Hellboy, the, the Hellboy Two, the 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 the, the, the yeah the, no. yeah the, the first El Toro Hellboy, the GDT, yeah, yeah, uh. uh it's released. Uh, uh, it's released to be first and third Triple uh, X movie, but not the second. What's happening there? Oh, there are. Oh no, no, sorry. I did release all three of them. Third one's uh, second one's just lower down. But yeah, so I, 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 I think, I think after 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 this movie, Universal did sort of realize, no, we like we we're, we're not giving we're not giving him money again. But that's. Too late because because it, because his previous film Scent of a Woman was also with with, with Universal and was and and so was Midnight Run and was uh, and I I think Beverly Hills Cop oh no okay no so Be- Be- Beverly Hills Cop was with Paramount and after Beverly Hills Cop he 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 sets up his own production company called City Lights his his, his Martin Brest production company is called City Lights what holy the, shit no. Okay, that's called City Light. But oh, okay, but yeah, still, it's, it's called uh, City Light, and that, that's and so that's a company he that so he, he yeah so that, that that's his production company. And he does Midnight Run, Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black, and Geely. Yeah, through through that, the first three produced with Universal, and then the the last one with Revolution. Um, Crazy. I guess yeah. With that information, it only confirmed. Hey, what are we going to watch next week, Finn? Okay. So here's we the, had already planned yes. this, just so you know. <laughs> so uh, our, our our film next week is uh, n- number fifty on the sight and sound list. Uh, City Lights, the Charlie Chaplin movie. Yeah, and uh, we uh, just decided uh, while we were watching Meet Joe Black that the movie we should do with with City Lights is uh, Scent of a Woman uh, because uh, both of them are uh, romances involving blind uh, involving a blind person. Yeah. And then when you first suggested Scent of a Woman, I said, you know, that's, an, you know, that's another Martin Brest <laughs> yeah. film, right? Yeah. And uh, I did not know. I did, well, no, like you said that and I knew it, but that was right. not why I was pitching it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, and yeah. And, and so I'm like, maybe he called his, his production company City Light because he was making a blind romance movie, and so like maybe that's an homage anyway. But uh, yeah, so 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 next week we're doing City Lights and Scent of a Woman, and uh, we 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 might have a guest for that one. 
now that we've discussed Meet Joe Black, do you think it remains the the major model for life as a deceased? Oh yeah, no, it, it's 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 the most accurate movie about what it's like to be dead. Uh, how okay? With that in mind, hmm. how do I ensure that I stay alive forever? Like, uh, well, don't be the head of a uh, of a media conglomerate. Mm, okay. Uh, don't get stabbed in the face by your podcast co-host. Look, again, I'm sorry, but mm. we ne- the premise was that one of us was going to die, and we both thought it was going to be me, but we made a promise that if no one had died by a 55th mm. episode, that someone would have to die. Yeah. And... So the game was on, and it's not my fault that I dodged all those traps you set for me. Yeah, and uh, number three is uh, stop vaping, you fucking idiot. (laughs) It's bad for you, obviously. Uh, uh, (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) Sure sure thing, Don Draper. A modern icon of cool, thank you. Yeah, I mean... I've only seen the credits for that show. He seems to be having a great time. Fallen out of their building. Yeah, I've only seen the parts of Mad Men that uh, they're like in, they're like inspirational grind set uh, Twitter pages. Uh, we'll 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 like re- we'll like retweet screenshots of. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Yeah, uh, it seems like a great show about uh, uh, about hot be- ladies. Yeah, about being about being an awesome dude <laughs> and just getting it done. Yeah, with the boys, just getting to look at tits in the office. Oh yeah, we're looking at tits now. <laughs> Oh, Milky. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Finn, where can people find you? That's a good question, Yufa. I'm dead. You can't find me anywhere. Too bad, shitheads. Uh, hey, Finn. Been, hey, Finn. Yeah. Hey, Finn. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, uh, you can't. I'm dead. Too bad, shitheads. Uh, but if you like the show, you can find that at Shite Sound Pod, or you can e- on Twitter at Shite Sound Pod, or you can email us at shitesoundpod at gmail.com uh, check out our website it's at shiteandsound.com if you want to find me online I'm at youthalives on all the various social media platforms uh, and sign up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash youthalives I have two other podcasts one is called The Witching Hours it's a radio drama and one is called The Slow Path where me and my partner watch Doctor Who until we die it's not really about that it's about other things check it out hey if you like the show, tell your friends, yeah, like and subscribe. If you're using the Apple Podcasting app um, to listen to this show, leave us a lovely little review. Yeah, give, give us five stars. I've done it. It, it genuinely helps. Um, if there's our theme song is the Nux by, by Kazam, Kazam Blam. Blam. Check him out on Bandcamp. Movies. Ah. Uh. Even bad ones go watch him. <laughs> <laughs>
but also, you know, that that Empty Bourdain movie is named after a pretty good Modern Lovers song. I'm straight. I mean, that's also a good one, yeah. Yeah. Or Hospital. Um, yeah, of course, if we're talking about, like, documentaries about uh, about people's lives uh, named after n- named after Modern Lovers songs, the one about me would, would be called I'm Straight because I'm also very mad at Hippie Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> Can you just on your phone <laughs> play, play, pull, pull up? No, no, no. Play, pull play up the, the song. No, no, no. Pull up the lyrics. Yeah. To "I'm Straight" by the Modern Lovers, and I want you to give us a a monologue reading of them because I think they would perfectly oh. fit your yeah. Oh no, ab- ab- absolutely. No, it, no. it is a, it is a song that <laughs> is uh... no, but like in a way that like I told you about the. Uh, the the cooked and bombed joke in that mm. episode of Inside Number Nine, where it is something seemingly designed only for me. Yeah, no, no, no. When I first heard "I'm a Straight" by the Modern Lovers, they're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the song written explicitly Can for I, me." That was the 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 house music for my first ever friend show in two thousand and one when I was thirteen, and you were in in two thousand thirteen. No, two thousand one. Oh, I was thirteen. Oh right. Uh, I mean, what what time of year was it? The beginning of the year. Beginning of the year. Uh, you better believe I was uh, three years old. Oh god. Oh god. So I. Uh, so yeah. we just yeah yeah. So here and now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and I want you to imagine him in on a stool. This is William Shatner doing Rocket Man, <laughs> but it's Finn Nicholas doing I'm Straight by the Modern Lovers. I uh. I called this number three, three, three times already today, but I, I, I got, I got scared, so I, I put it back in place. So I put my, put my phone back in place. I still, I still don't know if I, if I should have called up. Look, look, just, 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 just tell, just tell me why don't you? If I'm, if I'm out of place, because here's, here's, here's your chance. Because here, here's your chance to, to make me feel awkward, and wish that I had never even called up this place. I saw you though today. I saw you walk by with with Hippie Johnny. I had to call up and say how I I want to take his place. So th- this this phone call today concerns Hippie Johnny. <laughs> he's he's he, he's he's always stoned. <laughs> he's never straight. I saw you today. You know, walk by with Hippie Johnny. Look, I had to call up and say I want to take his place. See, he's stoned, Hippie Johnny. <laughs> now get this. I'm straight, and I want to take his place. Now look, I, I I like him too. I like Hippie Johnny, but I'm straight, and I want to take his place. <laughs> I said, I'm straight. <laughs> I said, I'm straight. I'm proud to say, well, I'm straight, and I want to take his place. Now I've watched you walk around here. I've watched you meet these new boyfriends. Sorry, just at this point, this is the point where like we've faded into, and now there's a second thin and close up, <laughs> yeah. like uh, on the on the right of frame. <laughs> I've, I've I've watched you meet these these new boyfriends. I know, and you tell how how they're deep. Look, if, if these guys, if they're really so great, tell me why can't they at least take this place and take it straight? Why are they always stoned? Like Hippie Johnny is. I'm straight, and I want to take his place. Oh, I'm certainly not stoned, like Hippie Johnny is. <laughs> I'm straight, and I want to take his place. I said, I'm straight. I said, I'm straight. I'm, I'm straight. 
and I want to take his place. All right, you modern lovers, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> ah, gobble the song. <laughs>